Live, and we are launching into another program where you can take control of the airwaves. All you have to do is dial in to our toll-free number. It's brought to you by SACL CAI. That number is 855-450-FREE. Once again, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. You are invited, of course, to, to actually control the site as well. So you can control the topic of the show if you call in. Or if you go to the website, you can control the content of the site by submitting show prep to it and then voting on other people's submissions. The most voted up make it to the front page and the top of the site, meaning more people will see uh, whatever it is that's there, including us. So you can go to freetalklive.com to get interactive there. Once again, our toll-free number, 855-453. Of course, we'll take your calls about anything that is the point of this particular radio program. And last night there was something that I had sitting here in uh, show prep, but we didn't get to it. And it's pretty big news. I mean, all things considered, this is one of those big stories that uh, the, the, certainly the government wants you to hear about. But uh, it's going to have a kind of a similar perspective, as you might have guessed, as all of the other ones in the past that have as well. Like what we're talking about here, these five men that ostensibly were planning to blow up a bridge outside of Cleveland. This according to the Department of Justice. Now, this time around, they don't happen to be Muslims. At least, I don't think so. Which is always interesting. Uh, you know, the first thing that anybody thinks when someone thinks terrorism these days is Muslims. By well, the that's... way, it's uh, Ian here with you tonight. And Nemi. And Mark. You were saying Nemi? I, I don't always automatically think Muslims. Certainly not. Plenty of people do, though. Right? They're, that's been kind of an expectation that's created, Fair I enough, think, a stereotype. by the mainstream media and by the, the government, which, of course, the mainstream media just parrots whatever the press releases say. But every now and then they'll, you know, they'll throw in a domestic terrorist to uh, somebody that uh, doesn't look Muslim. Um, and in this case, you've got what look like a but bunch of angry like white the, boys. The domestic terrorists generally are the ones who did it. I mean, up to this point. They, did when what? They, whatever it is that uh, the, the terrorism is they're talking about. No, you know, there they was fly no, a little Timothy airplane into... McVeigh, I think of. Yeah, they, McVeigh, you, never, but you, that's, know, you never know. That's I don't know whether he did it. That's pre-9-11. I, okay, what about the guy who flew the airplane into the uh, the IRS building in Texas? Yeah. True, but they said he didn't have anything to do what with What about the guy who walked into, was it a Federal Reserve building, a bank building, um, and, and capped a couple of security guards? I don't recall that one. Um, he, he was, was the a, underwear bomber a Muslim? I don't believe he I was. Think he, I think he was. Well, in this case, you've got uh, what appear to be five uh, angry uh, white guys uh, in Cleveland. Uh, they are five men described by federal authorities as anarchists. Yet another reason why I don't describe myself as an anarchist. Anarchists I'm, are uh, you know, people, usually European, that uh, throw Molotov cocktails. I mean, that's what people think. Right. Where and ba- balaclava is over their face? It's because of uh, news articles. It's because of news reporting like this is one of the reasons why I don't want to call myself an anarchist. Plus, I think the term anarchist just kind of, not only does it have that baggage attached to it, but I think it also describes oneself as what one is against. And I don't like being described that way. I'd prefer to describe it's grammatically incorrect and in positive. What do you mean? Well, because one one cannot have no government. One must be an autoarchist if one is uh, is believes that one should rule themselves. Hmm. I mean, your body must be governed, and it is governed by your mind. So you know. That one, it, it you know, it's just a, it's a bad word all around. But some people like it because it's edgy. It sounds rough and tough and uh, bomb throwing. And maybe so. they, you know, they can catch people's attention and, um, you know, when they're, you know, dealing one on one or something like that. I suppose. Well, I don't like it. I don't and, like it. Uh, we continue here. I, I prefer the term voluntarist. I think it is much more peaceful or peace oriented. It describes what I'm in favor of, and that is that human beings interacting on a consensual basis. 
But let's go on, though. What were they actually plotting to do? They say, the federal government says, they were angry with corporate America and the government and were charged on Tuesday with plotting to bomb an Ohio bridge linking two wealthy Cleveland suburbs. Because that would fix something. The men were arrested Monday night after unknowingly working. Fill in the blanks. Unknowingly with the working, FBI. With C- an FBI informant for months. A strategy that federal investigators have used repeatedly in recent years to nab alleged terrorists. It's true. I mean, what more Expect do you need? We, we can give you details, but what more do you need to know? You can predict the whole story at this point. Federal informant gets involved in a group of uh, protesters, or, or in this case, so, so-called anarchists, starts fomenting ideas, starts to put forth ideas of violence. Hey, I know how we can strike back. Uh, hey, boys, I know how we can strike back at the corporate state. We'll it, just blow up a bridge. It's easy to what get TN- TNT. I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. I don't know how you would go about t- getting TNT. I'm just uh, saying what the, um, the, the individual might say. They talked about making a statement against corporate America and the government as some of the motivations for their actions. According to U.S. Attorney Stephen Dedelbach, uh, he said while he was announcing the arrest with the head of the FBI in Cleveland, the alleged plotters researched explosives and obtained what they thought was C4. The material, in fact, was harmless and the public was never at risk. Because <laughs> they, came, the men, they came modeling clay. <laughs> because the men got it from the informant. The men uh, planted the fake explosives at the base of the bridge, armed them, went to a remote spot, and entered the codes they thought would blow the bridge up with innocent people traveling over it. Well, to me, that sounds like a legit uh, you know, bust. These guys went through the whole thing. But it's not legit from the beginning because they were talked into it by the Fed. Uh, these guys put this- is, I see where Ian is going with this, and I, I have a different article from the LA, LA Times pulled up. It says, the informant identified in court papers as, quote-unquote, confidential human source has been working for the FBI since July 20th and received approximately $5,700 for services and another $600 for expenses. The payment stopped when the informant began probation on a charge of passing bad checks, According to the affidavit filed with a criminal complaint, the source's criminal record includes a conviction for possessing cocaine in 1990, conviction for robbery in 1991, and four convictions for passing bad checks between 1991 and 2011. I think it's wrong what they did. I mean, the intentions certainly were criminal of these men, no doubt about it. But if the federal informant hadn't come along and fomented this, then one they, wonders, they likely know. would have been a bunch of pot-smoking hippies sitting around their apartment talking about, you know, talking trash about corporations and, you know, the capitalist system. There, you know? uh, there are uh, gr- lesser and greater uh, bits of injustice that have gone on in these FBI entrapment situations, and I agree with you. It makes me wonder, would these guys have committed the crime had the situations been different? However, there have been instances where the FBI gets uh, people and you know arrest them where they haven't gone through all the steps if in this circumstance these guys put the modeling clay that they thought was c4 up underneath the bridge and then they entered whatever the code was in on their cell phone that was supposed to blow it up with whatever silly you know fake app that was supposed to do it i can only imagine how this thing was set up but Give i bet it was rich <laughs> It's a real think tank going on right here. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, if, if in that circumstance, I have far less uh, generosity in my heart towards these individuals. No doubt. I mean, I don't, uh, I don't have much sympathy for them, okay? No doubt. They're, well, certainly not. They're dupes, and they were able to be duped into this process of, 
going and blowing people up, innocent lives, and, and that's terrible. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying these people are not to blame for their choices. Clearly, they made those choices. But they were tempted into making those choices. The reason they made those choices in the first place was likely due to the influence and the exhortation of this federal informant who probably influenced them into making these choices, encouraged them into making these choices, and not only that, but empowered them into making the choices by providing them with the tools that they ostensibly needed to do these things. So these guys have been charged with conspiracy, right? My understanding of Charged with conspiracy and trying to bomb property used in interstate commerce, so more than just conspiracy. My understanding of of conspiracy, at least under New Hampshire law, is if you, you guys and I were sitting here, we're like, hey, let's rob a bank. Now, if, even if I, in my heart, had no intent of robbing a bank, if we were like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's go rob a bank, and you, Ian, went and scoped out the bank, I am guilty of conspiracy because it only takes one person who is a party to the conversation to act in furtherance of the conspiracy. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't read, you know, researched conspiracy law, and certainly we're talking about federal conspiracy charges here, so sure. maybe a completely different uh situation but it seems unlikely that if i'm sitting around with a bunch of people talking about well let's go grow some marijuana and then somebody actually goes and grows it that i would somehow be held responsible for that without actually taking part in more specific planning well like where when yeah. how what sort of uh horticultural tools that, so you right. have the informant there that would be yeah. confusing anyway more coming up here 855-450 free we'll share some more details on you know where these guys come from because they didn't just come out of nowhere to blow up a bridge 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control of the airwaves. Free Talk Live. The Seasteading Institute. They want to create freedom on the open seas. Did you know they're having a conference? Meet fellow entrepreneurs, investors, engineers, maritime professionals, and other forward-thinking individuals and discover where you fit into the up-and-coming for-profit seasteading sector. It's May 31st to June 2nd at La Meridian Hotel in San Francisco. Special rates for students and the press. Get a discount with promo code FTL. Get registered at seasteading.freetalklive.com. Seasteading.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free to 1-855-453. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Once again, that's toll-free, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that are waiting for you there. We've got a mobile site for those of you with a smartphone. You can go to m.freetalklive.com. Get quick access to our live streams and the podcast there, as well as software that you'll need to tune in over at M, as in mobile.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live is going to be broadcasting live from this year's Porcupine Freedom Festival 2012, as we've done from pretty much every pork fest we've been to in the past. It's always a good time being at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. We'll be there all week long, as you should be if you can. Go to porkfest.com, P-O-R-C, as in porcupine, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T, dot com. Registration fees only 35 bucks. Now, you have to pay for camping on top of that, but it's camping, so it's not going to be, like, you know, really expensive. And, of course, you can share a camping spot with somebody else, cut the cost in half. So go to porkfest.com, get registered there, and learn more about this excellent event. It, it has... Hundreds of like-minded, liberty-oriented people in attendance. There are all kinds of things to do. Uh, plenty of family fun activities, all the way to adult parties, like uh, Buzz's Big Gay Dance Party, which will actually now be the Flaming Freedom uh, Big Gay Dance Party. 
and it's just going to be great. And it's always a good time. I highly recommend you learn more about the event and then get signed up because camp spaces are going to go fast. P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. By the way, it's June 18th through the 24th, so we are less than two months away from the Porcupine Freedom Festival. You don't want to miss it. If you missed it last year, make sure you can make it out this time around. P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. Get registered, and we're going to continue here with more on these uh, five alleged bombers, these guys who were essentially likely talked into uh, blowing up this bridge in Cleveland. They did not actually succeed at blowing up the bridge because the explosives were fake and were provided to them by the informant who helped encourage them to do this. In fact, there's news coming out of the smokinggun.com about this uh, alleged informant. And it actually says here that the informant fronted them the money. So not only did he provide them the bomb. So once again, the FBI's financing terrorism. <laughs> right. Not only did this informant, who's a scumbag, by the way, he's bouncing checks and this guy's just you know, your typical government informant, just an informant, just a jerk. Uh, so not Robbery. Only, robbery? Yeah. But, yep. but, the gov- but the government paid the expenses, and this guy loaned the money, so that means that puts these people, once again, another group of people that are on the FBI's uh, you know, payroll, essentially, uh, being the ones that they're, are doing the terrorism. If your goal is to have people not bomb bridges, why are you giving them money to, to bomb bridges? bomb bridges? Let's go to the phone, see what you think. Josh is listening in Florida in the Tampa Bay area. Hey, Josh, you're on Free Talk Live with the Nemi and Mark. Josh in Florida, going once. Josh in Florida, going twice. Josh, I'm going to put him back on hold. Maybe he's in a bad cell or something like that. 855-450-FREE is the toll-free number. It's the Huffington Post, by the way, is where I got the initial report here about these uh, five guys who have been arrested, been charged with conspiracy and also uh, some charge of attempting to bomb property used in interstate commerce. They're looking at more than 20 years in prison, each of these guys, ranging age ranges from 20 through 35. At the hearing, the men with wrist manacles chained to the waist sat in the jury box with their attorneys and acknowledged receiving copies of the complaint against them and an understanding of their rights. At the end of the hearing, James's, uh, excuse me, Stephen's father, James, shouted, Love you, Connor. The father left court without commenting. The target of the plot was a bridge that carries a state highway over part of the Cuyahoga Valley National Park and a picturesque scenic rail line and canal towpath in the Bricksville area, about 15 miles south of downtown Cleveland. So it's a rail line. The men had been associated with the anti-corporate Occupy Cleveland movement, but don't share its nonviolent views, according to organizer Debbie Klein. She said in an email canceling the group's May Day protest, uh, that they were in no way representing or acting on behalf of Occupy Cleveland. In uh, She said that in view of the arrests of the autonomous group of the five. The alleged plotters were frustrated that other anti-corporate protesters opposed violence. According to Dettelbach, who's the U.S. Uh, attorney in charge of the case, citing the criminal complaint filed, it talks about the anger and frustration that these five individuals felt that other people would not support their violent aims. Federal authorities said they're. Invest- I imagine they do feel a strong level of, uh, of frustration. You know, you you think you have a solution to whatever the problem is, and you can't get enough people on board to uh, do it. And this is really the the solution that so many people who believe in violent revolution have: is you need to get a gun and you need to fight people, but not me, right? Or you know, I'll do it if you do it, right? That's- you do it first, <laughs> right? So maybe what happened here, and I think what uh, they're getting at 
is that they were likely talking about violence. Somebody heard that conversation. Maybe a tip was given uh, to the FBI at that point, and they then brought this informant in to stoke those flames. But what if the informant had never come? From the, from the L.A. Times article I have here, it says the government's use of informants and stings has become very visible and more controversial since September 11th. Uh, undercover informants played major roles in alleged plots to bomb New York synagogues, set off a bomb near Chicago's Wrigley Field, attack a federal courthouse in Illinois, and blow up a building in Dallas. In all of the cases, the federal government said it used the re- resources that were available. But in at least one case, the tactics were not greeted with enthusiasm by the judge. In September in New York, District Judge Colleen McMahon handed down a mandatory 25-year prison sentence in a plot, plot to bomb synagogues and shoot down military planes with missiles. But she made it clear that shoot she was, down military planes with missiles. But she made it clear that she was unhappy with how the government had run the sting. That operation began in 2008 after an informant was assigned to infiltrate a mosque in if Newburgh, I sit, New York. Before you go any further, if I sit around with some guy smoking pot and discussing how we're going to use uh, you know, Star Trek phaser technology in uh, shooting down uh, you know, passenger airplanes, have I committed a federal crime? Well, the, I mean, the, the informant might claim he could get service inf- to air missiles. The informant pretended to be a representative of a Pakistani terror, terrorist organization eager to finance jihad against the United States. He was also a key player in the plot. The informant later testified against the group, each of whom received the mandatory 25-year sentence. Quote, the essence of what occurred here was that a government, understandably zealous to protect its citizens, created acts of terrorism out of the fantasies and bravado and bigotry of one man in particular and four men generally, and then made these fantasies come true, Mm. McMahon noted in court as reported by the AP. But she convicted them anyway. Oh, well, I want... Okay, in in this circumstance with these uh, five guys in Cleveland, things went to, you know, the standard of uh, proof that I need to see, which is the guys, the the guy with the turban stood there with the surface-to-air missile and aimed at an airplane and pushed the big red button. That's the the level that I want to see. In this case, these guys put the modeling clay on a bridge someplace and uh, thought that they put in the right code into their cell phones or something like that that was going to set it off or whatever gizmo that had buttons on it that they gave them and said that this was the remote control device and they did what it took to do this and you know if you just say who gave them the tools mark if the the feds had not been there would they have been able to do this i I I don't know i mean and you know i'm not arguing that point with you but this other case i think it negates some of this the seriousness of this the quote continues in this very key last line it says the government made them terrorists the judge is not proud of her government for what it did in that particular case. And I, I'm with Ian. I would be interested to know what the role was of the informant. That's all, that's all I want to know, too. Let's come back with more here. 855-450-FREE. Well, we already know what the role is. He, he fronted them the money and yeah. provided them the product. Free Talk Live. What has happened to America, and when did it become okay for the government to extort wealth from the American people? As a former law enforcement officer, I have explained in my new book, In Plain Sight, The Disregarded Truth, how absolute property ownership has been denied to the American people, how and why inflation is fleecing America, how law enforcement officers are being used to suppress and criminalize the beliefs of liberty and freedom. In Plain Sight explains how we can restore what was once a free America. Get your copy of In Plain Sight, The Disregarded Truth today at Amazon.com.
This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves toll-free at 855-453. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com, and all the features there are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Features including our webcam, watch, listen, interact, the chat room built into the same page. Just go to cam.freetalklive.com, see what's going on there. It's for free, of course. That's cam.freetalklive.com. Imagine it's the future. And you're an astronaut returning from a mission out in the far reaches of space. You enter Earth's orbit and notice something is terribly wrong. There are no signs of violence. The animals are fine, and yet not a single human can be found anywhere on the planet. Find out what happens next at Portal1986.com. It's Portal1986.com. We're discussing the five guys that have been arrested, uh, been charged with conspiracy, and uh, basically plotting to blow up infrastructure. Serious charges here. They're looking at more than 20 years in prison. And, of course, the big question here is, would they have done it? Would they have planted what they thought was a bomb, C-4, at the base of a bridge if they hadn't been handed that C-4 by a federal informant who not only gave them the C-4 but fronted the money to buy the C-4? And so, yeah, he gave him like a, you know, loaned them money or gave him the money. Uh, it, it seems unlikely these guys, these uh, the, these occupiers would have <laughs> or former occupiers would have ever come up with the uh, the gumption to get this done. Well, they needed the connect. They needed the connections. And this uh, man walks into their life who happens to have the connections and the money to help them get it right. done. Well, even if they didn't have even if they had the connections, one wonders what would they? Because I mean, you know, if they had the the uh, the drive, they would have gotten yeah. something done. Who knows what? But they didn't. I don't even know these guys had the drive. Uh, so we can get back to more details on this story here in a moment. Let's go. Uh, we're going to try one more time. Josh in Florida. Hopefully, he's got a better connection. Josh, are you with us? Yeah, I'm here. All right, go yeah. ahead with your thoughts. Uh, so pretty much was just going to tie this in with uh, two articles recently. Uh, one that came out April 28th that was uh, pretty much. Uh, FBI uh, hatching or um, helping along um, numerous, you know, there was five, six or more, you know, noted. I mean, you guys brought up the underwear bomber and that's been pretty much brought to light that some, somebody um, federal, federal, somebody in the government, you know, led him onto the plane. He didn't even have a passport, Um, you know, led him on. So we do this all the time. There was a, um, one key witness, Kurt Haskell, the only one, I guess, that was going to actually testify in court about it. Um, you know, the World Trade Center, uh, the first bombing, um, that guy was supplied. Uh, he, he thought he was going to be supplied with a fake bomb at first, and then it turns out they were actually supplying with him with a live bomb. I guess he testified to this all after the fact. So just kind of par for the course and tied in with an article uh about Obama from May 1st saying that, you know, the war with al-Qaeda is over, and now they're kind of turning towards the homeland and, you know, focusing on the domestic front. Oh, yes, they will. And they're preparing their drone fleet just for that purpose. And these guys, guys like this are going to, stories like this give the feds an excuse to expand their power, right? They, oh, we've got all these domestic terrorists to deal with, too, so now we have to increase the size of our domestic uh, enforcement apparatus because look at all these crazy anarchists running around out there trying to blow up bridges. The Occupy's everywhere. Exactly, and, you know, there are some outliers in the Occupy movement, but they're just they're definitely looking for a reason to, to demonize that movement and, you know, the freedom movements out there, so... Um, you know, look at Obama. There's, you know, I guess articles talks out out there that he's looking, you know, to elect Cass Sunstein, you know, as 
uh, you know, one of the next federal judges. And, you know, now he's, Cass he's Sunstein, openly... that name sounds familiar, which he was the advisor to Obama who was wasn't he, what was he recommending before? There was something that something outrageous about that guy. I forget what it was. He's, he's I don't know. He's had articles written where he's openly talked about, you know, just getting guns, you know, Second Amendment stuff that, you know, it's. Didn't he want to create the? Didn't he want to bring back the draft or the uh, yeah, civilian corps or something him. like that? Yeah, he wants the right. The uh, what do they call it? Not not AmeriCorps, but yeah, like the the Civic Corps. Make mm-hmm. it as large as the military. I think as large, was. as strong, and as uh, no, as large as powerful and as well funded as the. Yeah, that was the guy. Right. Thanks, Josh, for the call tonight. Appreciate it. Eight five five four fifty free. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. You can, of course, uh, take control of the airwaves as we continue here. If you want to freshen us up on Cass Sunstein as well, you're certainly welcome to do that. Uh, but a little bit more here about what happened in Cleveland or what allegedly happened. Again, you've got five guys who are tied in with the Occupy Cleveland movement. Of course, Occupy Cleveland's uh, – some of the people from Occupy Cleveland are letting – Whoa, not us. Letting the media know, hey, uh, <laughs> we are not like these guys. We're a nonviolent uh, movement. And we don't want anything to do with these folks. But a little bit more about the story Which, here from Huffington By the way, a little, es- a little lesson for folks. Uh, t- take a look at what's going on with Occupy. Take a look at what's going on with the you know, four or five guys that uh, thought violence would be a good solution and that Occupy was going about it the wrong way. And, you know, uh, who's doing better right now? Federal authorities said their investigation was aided by a paid confidential source who had previous robbery and other convictions and was on probation for passing bad checks. The informant began making contact with the men in October and had recorded conversations with them over the past three months, according to an affidavit. The men considered different plots over time, including distracting law enforcement with smoke grenades while trying to bring down financial institution signs in downtown Cleveland. The men also discussed other potential targets, including a law enforcement center, oil wells, a cargo ship, or the opening of a new downtown casino, according to the affidavit. The document also alleges that one suspect talked about being part of a group planning to cause trouble during an upcoming NATO summit in Chicago. The group finally settled on blowing up the busy bridge, according to the allegations. I wish I knew why, what they thought they were going to achieve uh, with the uh, bridge blowing up as these, uh, I don't know, they sound like anarcho-commies or something like Probably. that. Probably. Yeah, I don't know, Mark. I mean, just to, to strike fear into the hearts of corporate America so it's or a, something? It's a, train, it's a train bridge? It's an elevated railroad bridge i don't recall you said that it was a railroad bridge i, I, I think looking at a picture of it, it it appears that it's not actually that innocent people would be going over it it would just interrupt interstate commerce hmm. if well, i get it when a train's not on it sure i mean hopefully yeah. a train wouldn't drive over it uh, according to this uh, news post here again this the guy that was involved this informant there's quite a bit of detail about him coming out now shaquille azir uh who uh, was 39 years old. He is convicted of a number of different crimes, as you mentioned, including robbery and passing bad checks, cocaine possession, etc. Uh, and he was paid, by the way, uh, for this particular job by the FBI. They just use such outstanding people uh, to do this sort of work. Well, but, I, I, it makes one wonder how you're going to – are you going to infiltrate somebody who has a haircut like mine in there, you know, buzzed on the sides? Azir, Doesn't seem like it. Azir alleged for the purchase, excuse me, uh, allegedly Azir arranged for the purchase of the C4 from an undercover FBI agent. He also fronted the alleged conspirators the conspirators the money for the purchase of the material which had been rendered inert by federal investigators. So, 
Well, I have your thoughts on this if you'd like to share them. 855-453. So I get where you're coming from, Mark, in that these guys did go through the motions. They did plant the what they thought was C4. They did attempt to detonate what they thought was C4. But I allege that I don't think it would have happened had it not been for the encouragement of the federal agent that had been put in their midst for the specific purpose of encouraging these people and giving them the keys, essentially, to the plot. It'll be interesting to see the defense. I'm not going to disagree with what you're saying. I don't know what would happen if uh, if if they hadn't gotten involved. And I think that that was the original intention of the entrapment laws that they had in the United States. You mean was, to stop this from was to stop was was to say, look, you can't just set up a crime and if somebody pulls the you know the trigger, then then that's that's what it is. I mean, you know, that I I don't know. I don't know what the the circumstances is uh, were, but I can say that in past cases, it doesn't sound like. Even the defendants went this far. These guys placed the bombs. Suppose I'm quotation. A lot of times they usually do. Like there's usually somebody with some code or whatever. They usually do, you know, pull the trigger in these instances. From from my remembrance of uh, the ones we've discussed, I can remember one in particular. They did not. Okay, but either way, I still I don't think these guys should be going to prison like this. I mean, I don't know what should happen to them because ultimately there's no victim. I mean, they didn't. Nobody got blown up. Nothing happened. (laughs) It was just a bunch of talk. And then a total setup for these guys. So I don't think they should be going to prison. 855-450-FREE. I mean, they should be embarrassed. <laughs> 855-450-3733. You can take control. People should know who they are, should know what they were about, know what they were attempting to do. But there's no victim. So no In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel. The printing press. The Internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 855-453. SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features that are waiting for you there. Once again, freetalklive.com. Here tonight, it's Ian. Not me. And Mark. And uh, again, the number, 855-453. Whether you want to talk about these ginned-up terror plots, there are really... It's hard to remember if there have been any real ones. Uh, there was what that one guy in New York City with the the uh, the, the fertilizer bomb that blew up the the, the SUV that uh, basically the civilians. I thought it never blew up. I thought I think they, they intended to blow it up. Yeah, I'm it was sorry. just sitting there for a while, and then somebody saw it on the street and reported it. It was doing something or another. Yeah, I guess the intention was to blow it up, but that's really the only one I can think of that wasn't. And that wasn't stopped by the FBI, it right? Was, uh, <laughs> right. I mean, that's really what they want you to believe is that they are out there cr- trying to keep you safe. They're out there doing their best. Look at this. Look at all them. They're pulling all these uh, terrorists off the street. They're, they tried to blow up a bridge. Oh, I think but, they're trying to do that. I mean, they're, they're trying. No, they're to, not. They're creating it. They justifying haven't actually, their existence. Right. That's all it is. Thank you, Nemi. That's yeah. exactly what this trying is. Trying to justify their existence. Well, they need to get another budget for next year, so it needs to look like they're out there doing something to keep people safe, I guess. Well, and this is such nonsense. Cer- one thing's for certain. The people that are willing to blow up a bridge 
are most likely the people that will blow up a bridge. But of everybody who's willing to blow up a bridge, not necessarily will all of them blow up a bridge. So right. you've got this 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 you know problem with uh, their their methods. I th- I would think that uh, you'd have to be pretty well connected and know what the hell you're doing when it comes to bombing things in order to even come close to blowing up a bridge. I would concur. And these uh, these self self styled anarchists who were hanging out at the Occupy Cleveland movement were clearly not able to handle this on their own. That's why they needed the assistance of the well-connected FBI informant who happened to wander into their midst due to likely some sort of reports to the FBI of somebody hanging out at Occupy Cleveland talking about violence. Yeah, yeah they, they, they talked themselves into a prison cell, and it's difficult to feel bad for them as a result. I agree with True. you. It is difficult to feel bad for them because I don't like people who would commit i don't like the idea of people who commit violence but i also know that i used to be that guy like i used to be the guy who thought about doing violent things in response to to government tyranny yeah but you weren't dumb enough to talk about it like that i talked about it on the radio you said you would always couch it in terms like well one has to have one's line in the sand where is your line that kind of thing well, I also so, talked about how people should defend themselves against uh, the police or whatever when they were to come in, like, raid a California medical marijuana facility, things like that. Yeah, but the police never raided your facility. And how were, how know, exactly but, are they going to entrap you in a situation where you're going to defend your home? I get what you're saying, Mark, and I appreciate what you're saying. I think there's a difference. From. Fine. These but, people went out to blow up a bridge. They put the bomb under the bridge. But I didn't have somebody coming around trying to pretend like he was my buddy and uh, and try to talk me into doing that sort of thing. What what would have happened if I, – I can't tell you for sure what I would have done if I was in an angry mindset, if I was in a you know the mindset of got to get back at these government people for hurting all these innocent folks – you know, I, if if that were the case, I probably would not have picked a bridge. <laughs> you know, I probably would have picked some government facility or something like that. But I could, I can put myself in these guys' shoes. So to some extent, I can empathize with them. And I don't think that they committed a crime here. What do you think? Eight five five four fifty. It's not that difficult for the federal government to surveil people who are suspect rather than send someone in to trip them up yeah they I mean, could have, easily tag, tag them with gps yeah, and gps uh, sound uh, detection listen devices. to their uh, wiretap well, you, they, you know, they lost the gps device in san diego and somebody found it on a vehicle and all kinds of different things i'm not sure it's as easy as they uh, make it out to be um you know on, on the television you don't think no, I don't. GPS devices are relatively easy to plant. You can you can buy your own GPS device, Mark. You can, but I mean, I don't know how the tracking works or anything like that. This thing they pulled off the car was big. It had a battery. It did and have everything. a monster battery pack. It, it was bigger to, than I expected. It has to be, be attached to the uh, you know either it's attached to the car battery or it has its own. Your thoughts are welcome. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. We continue here. And go to Andrew, listening in Boynton Beach, Florida. Andrew, you're on Free Talk Live with the Anemi and Mark. Oh, good evening, sirs. How are you all, sirs? Hey, well, there's a lady here, but uh, what's on your mind tonight? Oh, my apologies. Uh, yeah, I was just calling about the, um, the Chinese dissident Cheng Guan Cheng. Okay. Yeah, so, um, I was thinking a bit about it. Um, I wasn't sure what you guys thought. Um, it seems like um, he disobeyed, you know, the Chinese government. He escaped from his house, and um, you know, those. Yeah, so he should be, uh, you know, punished for disobeying the government, right? He should be punished for disobeying the Chinese government. Yes, yes. 
Well, on, well under what uh, what was the reason that he was confined to his house? It doesn't matter. Um, you know, sure it does. they're the government, so they make the rules. Well, well, it right? it matters to me. Uh, if if he was confined to his house because he committed some kind of crime that uh, you know where he harmed someone or you know took their property, then I'd say that he probably should uh, abide by whatever punishment he was given until it's uh, over, and then he can get uh, you know go on go on about his merry way. However, but if he was being held because he spoke out against the state or did some other non-crime, then yeah, I got no problem with get, helping that guy. This out. This is the blind guy, right? Yes. He's Correct. best known for exposing alleged abuses and official family planning policy in China, often involving claims of violence and forced abortions. So this guy is a whistleblower, essentially. Yep. Yeah. So, no, why would you think that we would support uh, punishing this guy? Um, I guess, like, you know, I mean, like, if you look at a dollar bill, right, it's got a president on it. The government owns all the money, right, in the U.S. and probably in China as well, so. I'm not sure that's true. No, I don't agree with yeah. that either. Nah. I China mean, owns a lot of the U.S. Yeah. dollars, they actually. They print the money, but you know, in the same way that if I make something and then I sell that thing, I've exchanged value for something else, and I sell that thing, then that thing's no longer mine. So if I, if I carve a little figurine out of wood and I sell it to you for five bucks, that doesn't mean I get to do whatever I want with that wooden figurine after you've given me the five bucks. I get to do whatever I want with the five bucks. Yeah, by the way, I, I really admire, like, that you guys take calls, you know, from, from any, you know, like, a lot of shows um, don't do that. And I do admire how, like, independent you are with your thinking. You don't, you know, conform um, to, you know, the standard sort of mantra. I guess my biggest problem is I, I just think you're a little bit paranoid. You know, you're more likely to have your house broken into or... Um, you're more likely to, you know, have your house catch on fire than the government give trouble to the average person, right? No, that's not true at all, actually. Who hasn't gotten a ticket from the government? I mean, if we didn't have ticketing, you know, people barely drive well as it is. Um, but, you know, imagine if there were no road rules, it'd be like, you know, people would just be running red lights if they want tickets, right? So what? what's the caller's name? This is Andrew. Andrew, have you gotten a ticket from the government lately? How about um, ever? In the past, I have, yes. Oh, yeah. So, how, and how recently was your house broken into? Um, oh, you, you know, no, you're right, you're right. But I, I think the tickets a good thing, because otherwise... I'd probably be killed on the road tonight, you know, coming home. If, That's if, nonsense. Um, well, Andrew, let me uh, – you're working in the world of – Darwin we have, might approve, If too. we have government roads <laughs> and then um, we don't have police on those government roads, what would things be like? However, that's not the paradigm that from which we're looking at it. The paradigm we're, which we're looking at it is is that roads are important, traveling from place to place is important, and that the free market has – solves all kinds of important problems and likely could solve that problem if it was implemented in that way. Now, I think you're right. If the government buys roads and owns roads, then it should have whatever system to enforce the rules of those roads it wishes to have. However, what it shouldn't be able to do is forcibly take my money to pay for its roads um, and maintain a monopoly on roads and not allow me to compete in the area of roads or anyone else. That's the biggest problem. And so government is a, a monopoly. They say you can't compete with us in whatever areas that it is that we wish to uh, you you know, do our business, and B, they forcibly take money from other people. I was just going to say, I just want to do a shout-out to um, 
Like yeah, we don't really, we don't really do shout-outs, but thanks for the call. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. We'd prefer to have conversations. Yeah. Shout-outs. You, know uh, you know, they're, that, that's for, like, uh, Go hip, call Top 40 Radio. Yeah, hip-hop radio, and they do it for two minutes so that you can, uh, see teenagers can call in. <laughs> right. 855-450-FREE uh, is the number here. You know, as far as his point about, well, you might get your house broken into or set on fire or more likely than the government uh, aggressing against you, maybe, you know, let's go ahead and give him that. Let's let's give them that and let's let's cut out ticketing. Let's talk about Well, aggra- you are more likely as an American citizen to be shot by a police officer than you are okay, to be killed on. by a let's, terrorist. Let's let's just give him that. Okay, just for a moment. I don't care even if that's true. Even if I could go through the rest of my life and not be aggressed against by the government, I see other people being aggressed against by the government and I care about that. And I don't want that to happen to them. I don't want it to happen to me. I don't want it to happen to people I care about and I don't want it to happen to total strangers because peaceful people should be left alone. And as long as it's happening to other people, I care about it. That's why I don't want to go out into the middle of the ocean. 855-450-FREE. You can take control of the airwaves. Hour number two is next. This is Free Talk Live. Hey, this is Mandrake. And this is Jay. And we're getting ready for Porkfest 2012. Porkfest is the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's happening June 18th to the 24th at Rogers Campground in Lancaster, New Hampshire. And this year's Pork Fest will be the best yet. Why is that, Mantric? Because of all the great speakers that'll be there? Or maybe the family fun events? Perhaps you're excited about Flaming Freedom's Big Gay Dance Party? Actually, I had no idea any of that goes on. You had no idea because you and I spend all our time running the Georgia's famous baklava food stand. And that's why I'm so excited. Every year we get to meet so many great people who stop by for food and jokes, some of which are a little dirty. Yeah, about the dirty jokes, we should try Try not to offend so many people this year. It was one person, and I thought her wooden leg was for the pirate party. Oh, and don't forget all those times you walked away for five minutes only to return two hours later. I kept getting mauled by all my fans. You fell asleep on a picnic table. Oh, right. Hey, you want to wrap this up? Go to porkfest.com and register today. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the second hour of the program. You can dial in toll-free, bring up whatever's on your mind at 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Coming up here tonight, Nemi is going to tell us about a situation that could result in you getting your utilities turned off if you don't pay your local parking ticket or some sort of ticket. We'll get to the details on that here. Nemi's got them for us. 855-450-FREE. Also, the TSA gropes someone's grandmother in a very unpleasant manner. Mark has that story. 855-450-3733. And, of course, your phone calls about what you want. Let's go to homeless or f- formerly homeless, John. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, my main man is. John, what's going on? What's up? Hey, I want to give a shout-out to... Uh, well, we don't really do <laughs> shout-outs, John, but uh, if you want to talk about an issue, that'd be great. All right. You know, for, for years, Ian, you've been disrespecting me, man. What do you mean? And, uh, what do you mean? I come, I come on the air at night to put you in your place. All right. Go ahead. You were that, that hip community in uh, Vermont. Close. Close. By the way, there's oh, some okay, weird talkback going on. Are you on, like, Skype or something? Oh, yes, I am. Now, nice. check this out. Now, you say I can't give a shout-out, right? Not really. Not really. But I can on my show. You see, I'm simulcasting on my radio show. Ah, oh, that's very what sharp. Is. What's your show? What's your show? Go ahead and plug it. It's called, it's, 
called Escape the Lies at Spreaker.com. Very cool. So on my show, Spreaker? Spreaker, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. Go ahead, John. you got to pick. Go ahead and give us your pitch quick because uh, this connection's awful. It doesn't matter because I'm on my show with simulcasting. I'm saying give, give the listeners a pitch. Give them, give them a reason why they should tune out of Free Talk Live and tune in to your show. Besides the talk back. I'm not interested in your listeners. They're a bunch of hippies. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Thanks for the call, that man. That was worth it. 855 <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that was eh? great. I was in Vermont today. and It was fantastic. I had some of the best Chinese I've ever had. <laughs> I don't know what to think about that. Are you packing heat right now? Of course. There you go. When am I not? Hippies. Hippies. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Are you calling me a hippie? Strange thing to call somebody, packing heat. Uh, I know, right? Well, you know, the hippies are different in New Hampshire. By the way, we're not in New- Vermont. We're in New Hampshire. The hippies are different up here. Just a different ha- breed. Wait, explain. Everybody's different. Everything's different up here. I mean, the Democrats pack heat. I mean, there's you know, guns supporting Democrats, Republicans support gay marriage. I mean, it's a it's a different place. Okay. New, New England is, especially New Hampshire, it's a very unusual uh, I'll take your word for it. Here. I well, like I it. You, I guess you I have stayed. to because you've yeah. been here for I, your whole life. That's right. I don't travel much. So 855-453, the toll-free number here. Uh, let's talk to Matt, listening in New Hampshire, Farmington, New Hampshire. Matt, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, how's it going? What's on your mind tonight, Matt? Oh, not much. Uh, listen, I just wanted to say that there's pretty much nothing better than chicks with guns. Nemi. Oh, thanks. Chicks with guns. That's yeah. right. That being, said, that being said, I have to say that I love Steph. Um, you love who? But anyway, Stephanie. Oh, Stephanie. Oh, I love gotcha. Stephanie, too. She is a nice lady. I like Stephanie. She's so smart. But anyway, not that you By the way, Stephanie has agreed to, uh, those, of, those of you who are fans of Stephanie, because uh, some people, everybody's got their preferences, right? So I was, I was out with uh, a couple of folks in Manchester recently for lunch, and one of them tells me that, you know, he doesn't like Stephanie, and he uh, likes JJ, and the other guy says he doesn't like, or he likes Stephanie, and he doesn't like JJ, and so, you know, some people are going to be right for some people, and the rest of them won't like him. What can you do? Right, right. So, besides anyway, the Love uh, Fest, what do you have for us tonight? I've been doing a, a Part 15 station on my way to work every day. With uh, Basically, I've been running, like, Complete Liberty or something. I just got that book that you did, Ian. I don't even remember the name of it. That would be The Market, the market for, for Liberty. Liberty. The market for download, Liberty. Anyone can download for free at book.freetalklive.com. But you say a Part 15 station. For those of our, that are listeners that don't know what that means, what is that? That is basically a low, well, low, I say, extremely low-powered FM station. We're talking 200 feet. Oh, you're doing Part 15 FM? Yeah, there's there's no one that can really hear that. But are you doing it in your car? Yes. Yeah, I mean, essentially, he's got one of those. Is it like one of those little car radio things where you plug it into your, your cassette deck or whatever, and it can kind of broadcast? Yeah. Well, it's it's, I say... Tongue-in-cheek, Part 15, my friend. Yes. It's a community so, radio station. It's the community of so, whoever's sitting in your car, basically. It's, just, no, it's one of those CD things. It's 200 right? feet of mad power. Is that... 27 dBm, my friend. Ah. Uh, 
Yeah, you're getting too technical so, now for uh, for most of our our audience. But I mean, you know, the people sitting around you might be uh, if if they were tuning through their radio at that moment. In they, theory, someone who was driving next to you could hear uh, your radio station. But of course, if they they went more than 200 feet forward or back, which isn't very far at all. I don't know about you, Mark, but uh, what 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 device are you using to uh, to transmit? Matt, are you listening? To, are you talking to me? Okay. Yeah. No, I I perhaps you guys are. Not as geeky as I thought. Twenty-seven dBm is actually quite a bit of power for FM. Yeah, I don't, I'm not an engineer, so like I said, yeah. you're way beyond most of our listeners at uh, this point by talking about that. So again, what uh, what device is this? Like some sort of home homebrew thing? Did you build this yourself? I got it on eBay. Okay, because I don't know. Has anybody ever tried one of those CD player? Uh, yeah, one of those things? little things are awful. FM transmitter. They I mean, don't that, transmit four feet. Right, that thing doesn't even go in your car. I mean, that thing won't even go outside of your car. It's that uh, it's that bad. So, do you think this is an illegal Part 15 transmitter? Because if you're travel, if you're tra- if, if you're transmitting more than a, a very short distance on FM, it's usually it's usually a violation of FCC rules. Right, I I would never dream of violating those rules. <laughs> oh well, I would. Hey, anyway, uh, Matt, uh, okay. thanks for thanks for sharing that. Can I, I just make one parting statement? Yeah. This notion of government is absurd. Yes, I agree with agree you. With Thank you, you for the call. Eight five five four fifty free. I'd say the notion of the state is absurd. One must be governed. One must govern oneself at the very least. Okay, that's fine. I'll take that. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. You know that's cool. I mean, I, I will normally we'll list a part fifteen AM station on our affiliates list over at freetalklive.com. We got an affiliates page there, but that's because there's a chance at least that a part fifteen AM someone could tune into. Like the difference between part fifteen AM and part fifteen FM. The idea of part fifteen is it's the FCC's code that actually allows you to broadcast on AM and FM without asking their permission. It's, this is the section of code that you know if you follow the part fifteen rules then in theory, you should be able to broadcast without the FCC taking your equipment from you. And uh, PAR-15 AM is a tenth of a watt. There's some specifications on how high the antenna can be or how long it can be. Or you know, Again, I don't have all the details in front of me at the moment. If you're interested in these sorts of things, there's plenty of resources online for you uh, to learn about. And uh, so, but PAR-15 FM doesn't even have a tenth of a watt. Like the, the PAR-15 FM is a... A different kind of measurement for how what what is considered legal, and I forget exactly what it is, but it's very very small. If you're broadcasting beyond your house, you're probably probably in violation of the the rules. It's probably not a Part 15 uh, FM station at that point. So basically, a Part 15 FM station is a, a waste of your time if you're hoping to get out to anyone who could possibly listen. If you want to do part 15 AM, in theory, you could do multiple AM transmitters around in a location. So you can have a city and then have multiple transmitter locations that are all running part 15, tenth of a watt here, tenth of a watt there, tenth of a watt elsewhere. And in and that could cover a larger amount of land, but even just one part 15 AM transmitter could do maybe a quarter mile to a half a mile listenable in a car. This guy could be running. I mean, we don't know what he is running. You said he said for part fifteen, so you assume that he was running a tenth of a watt FM. No, but, I did not. You cannot do a tenth of a watt on FM. It's different. As I just explained, it's a tenth of a watt only on AM. I see. Okay. Um, so you assumed that it was whatever the part fifteen rules are. I didn't assume anything. He said it was uh, more powerful than 
whatever. And if it's going 200 feet, it may be a violation of the FCC rules. Not he a, seemed pretty. Did he say 200 feet? He seemed no, pretty. No, I said 200 feet. Oh, okay. okay. He seemed pretty certain he was within the the regs. But if the FCC actually gets a report no, he about didn't. you, he said tongue in cheek. Oh, I see. Um, it was part of it. It could be anything. I mean, yeah. who knows? Could be. So eight five five four fifty free. The SACL CAI toll free line. Plus, if you're going to do broadcasting, it helps to be 24-7. If you want more people to come across your operation, that is. You can take control of the airwaves. And isn't that the point of doing free radio is so people hear you? 1-855-450-3733. You can take control and bring up whatever's on your mind. Coming up, creepy TSA agents. Here on Free Talk Live, we've been pretty excited about the Bitcoin. It's a decentralized free market digital currency. You can learn more about it at WeUseCoins.com. But if you already have some Bitcoins and you'd like to spend them, you can spend them at SpendBitcoins.com. When you spend Bitcoins on Amazon via SpendBitcoins.com, Free Talk Live gets a cut. Or if you're an Australian trying to figure out how to buy Bitcoins, you can buy them with cash at AU.SpendBitcoins.com. Once again, that's SpendBitcoins.com. Free Talk Live toll-free number is 855-453. It's the CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features that await you there. Once again, freetalklive.com. Here with you tonight, it's Ian. Nami. And Mark. Don't forget, Free Talk Live, uh, you can support us with Bitcoins if you'd like. We've got a Bitcoin tip jar. You can go to bitcoin.freetalklive.com. You'll find the appropriate Bitcoin address to which you can send any Bitcoins that you would like. And if you don't know what the Bitcoin is, well, then go ahead and take some time out. Maybe, what, what, 5, 10, 15 minutes? I don't know how long that video is. It's not very long over at WeUseCoins.org. You can go there. There's a great introductory video that uh, makes it pretty clear. Bitcoin is a really unique proposition. It is an alternative currency that is totally decentralized. There's no central company that's issuing it. There's no government that's behind it. In fact, governments around the world are very upset about the idea of the Bitcoin because it takes money out of their hands. I mean, he who controls the money, I don't know, if I forget, I know I'm paraphrasing, but there's like the David Rockefeller or some money magnet who had made a statement that, you know, he who controls the money controls everything. And so now with the Bitcoin, we're taking the money out of the hands of the government of the world and putting them in your hands uh, because you don't have to beg anyone's permission to get signed up for Bitcoin. There is not even any signing up. You just download the software and then go to bitinstant.com and you can get your Bitcoins in less than an hour by depositing cash at any major bank. So you can get your Bitcoins with cash by visiting bitinstant.com. And once you've got Bitcoins... You can do all manner of interesting things with those. The minute uh, the uh, the video is a minute forty four. Is that it? Yeah. That's incredible. Good, nice and short. We use coins Thanks for checking on that, Mark. That's it's been a long time since I'd seen it too, so I didn't remember. How long it was. We use coins org. Of course, there's more resources over on that website that you can dig sure. into as well. Uh, so eight five five four fifty free. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. Nemi, I know that you wanted to tell us about unpaid tickets in one place at least. Yeah, in New Mexico. It could become a real problem to have unpaid tickets, meaning you might not have your utilities. Yeah. Well, here they'll suspend your your um, ability to register your car if you don't pay your parking tickets, and they'll suspend now, your as license. I understand that that's only in certain cities in New Hampshire. That's true. That's true. But they're working to expand it, and they're working to collaborate between area towns, especially here in Keene, where we mm-hmm. broadcast from. Um, they'll suspend your right to... Um, 
register your car. If you don't pay your speeding ticket, they'll suspend your license and your registration on your car. Uh, But in New Mexico, uh, with more and more vehicle owners simply deciding to refuse to pay red light camera and speed camera tickets, Hmm, private for property, uh, excuse me, for profit companies and municipalities are growing increasingly desperate for cash. Los Angeles shut down its photo ticketing program last year, largely because residents who could not afford the $500 citations did not pay them. Wow. Awesome. That just blows my mind. $500 for a red light? Yes, they thought they could get it. The red light ticket and and the red light, uh, you know, video things are the worst of the worst. I I don't know how they can claim that... uh, that speed cameras are in some way dangerous to the public, but red light camera cameras certainly are because, you know, there's a, a couple of things happen with red light cameras. Either you know that there's a red light uh, there or there's not, and so you may run it and then get a ticket, or you don't come to a full and complete rock back stop before you make a right-hand turn and it decides that you've run the light. Mm-hmm. In some cases, it'll just give it to you anyway, right. and then you can try to uh, fight that ticket in court, which is always a blast. Confront your accuser. Yeah, confront your, confront your accuser, which is a uh, gizmo. And But then once you've gotten the ticket, how are you going to act coming up to that stoplight from here on out? Um, you'll you know slam on the brakes. You're not going to go through. Um, you'll create dangerous situations. Sometimes the safest thing to do at an intersection is to go through the red light. And people don't want to get those tickets because maybe they've gotten the ticket in the past or whatever. Maybe it's $500. And 500 bucks, And then they'll get slammed into the back, creating a dangerous mm. uh, situation. And what will happen as people cease to run the red lights, because they really do work. They see, The people will cease to run the red lights. Then the town's like, hey, we were getting all this money from people running red lights. Let's shorten the, the uh, yellow light period. <laughs> and they do it, people. I'm not kidding you. Towns shorten this red light period oh, and, and put the money over the lives and safety of the citizens of that course. they're sworn to protect. That's what it was all about in the first place, That's obviously. What it was, that was well, what it was clearly all about. Talking about this in the last hour, too, it's, it's government needing to justify its existence so they've they've ruled out people who run red lights what's next so they can get that cash coming in because i just really i I'll say it again five hundred dollars for running a red light yeah it's supposed to be i mean i think it was used to be 50 bucks i pay less for than for that for rent that's crazy to me and now they're saying this has this passed or is this a proposal? This is this is coming and it's, it's already it's on the it's way. A, yeah, that's right. In Las Cruces, New Mexico. Is it just Las Cruces or yes. is it the whole state of because New Mexico? Because it's no, it's just Las Cruces. I see. It says it, it announced it would shut off the utilities of city residents who refused to play, pay Red Flex t- Traffic Systems, the Australian company that owns and operates the camera. Now, to be clear, when they talk about utilities, they're talking about water, gas and sewer, not electric. I see. Um, so it's any any city operated utility. Wow. Now, the city is uh, notifying offenders by mail that they have until the due date stated in the letter to pay the fines or make satisfactory payment arrangements. A failure to comply will result in termination of utility services. Mm. Now, <sighs> the government in Las Cruces claims vehicle owners owe two million dollars. To encourage payment of the $100 photo fines, the city says it will employ an ordinance the council adopted in 1988, giving itself the right to shut off utility service to residents declared delinquent for any reason. Wow, so they've had this for a couple decades. So this is city code section 28-10. It says the city may decline, fail, or cease to furnish utility service to any person who may be in debt to the city for any reason except taxes and special assessments. 
So the city provides gas, water, sewer, and trash. Ordinarily, the New Mexico Public Regulation Commission prevents shutting off the utilities of low-income residents from November 15th to March 15th. Primarily a safety issue is lack Mm -hmm. of heating during a cold snap. Las Cruces recorded them. 10 below. <laughs> I just have to laugh. 10 to grow. 10. That's cold. Yes, minus, it is. You guys are from Florida. Come on. 10 that's, below is cold that's even up here. nothing. What? Ten, it doesn't get much more than uh, 20 below here in New Hampshire. That's oh, that's true. 25, I think, is 25 below is the, the worst I can recall. Yeah. And the difference between 10 and 25 below is, is not, not much. noticeable. Yeah, not, yeah, much. It's not much. It's, all right. It's chilly, but give <laughs> me a break. Come if on. your power's off, the goldfish is froze. But this was, this I mean, was the dog 10 is dead. below in 1962. <laughs> so they have this the safety measure in place from November 15th to March 15th because of the, the minus 10 temperature in 1962. Okay. One time minus 10. I got gotcha. you. It could endanger the elderly. The commission also protects the seriously ill and customers on Medicaid or on assistance well, from a charitable organization. I'll tell you what's going to endanger the elderly, having them uh, sell their wheelchair because they're trying to pay a $500 red light ticket. True. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, oh, it's $100, $100 here. Whatever it's $500 it is. $500 in L.A. Whatever it is, $100. Look, there are a lot of people that are on you – know, they're having a tough time out there. The economy is not so great uh, in most places and people are out of work and you've got people – before the economy wasn't uh, – before the economy had gone bad, you still have people living paycheck to paycheck. So it hasn't gotten better for those folks. And in a lot of cases, when people are looking at bills that they have to pay and they look at the water bill versus the red light ticket, they're going to choose the water bill. But now that doesn't matter anymore. Now there's no more choice involved. Now it's uh, you either pay the red light ticket and then figure out what to do about the water bill or don't pay the red light ticket, pay the water bill and have the water shut off anyway. And you certainly can't drill a well on your own property either. They won't like that very much. You could, but then again, if you can't pay $100 for the bill, you certainly can't afford to drill a well. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Porcupine Realtor. Do you want a home with 20 acres, a lakeside cabin, any takers for renters, buyers, and sellers too? Mark Warden is the guy for you. PorcupineRealtor.com This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. All you have to do is dial in toll-free, 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. All the features that you'll find on the site are completely free, so head over, enjoy those on us once again freetalklive.com. Here with you tonight, it's Ian, Nemi, and Mark. And don't forget, uh, you can also get interactive with a bunch of our listeners at uh, various different places like our chat room and the BBS all over at freetalklive.com. The phone line's brought to you by SACL CAI. SACL CAI is a company that handles accounts receivable. They can handle accounts receivable for your company, too. Uh, go to freetalklive.com, look at the banner list on the right-hand side of the page, SACL CAI is at the top of them, and do business with businesses support Free Talk Live. Indeed. So we've been discussing how in New Mexico, at least in Las Cruces, they are going to be possibly turning off people's utilities. Gas, water, sewer, and trash. Right. The ones – oh, God. Stop collecting people's trash. That's going to work out great. 
Uh, so they're going to turn off people's utilities if they don't pay red light tickets or any tickets. Any any so-called debt that one might have That's to right. the city will result in uh, no more services. And this was something that I was kind of concerned might happen if we ever did like a uh, like some sort of a property tax revolt here in New Hampshire because the government at least in this area, provides water to people. So if you stop paying property taxes or a portion of those property taxes, what's to stop them from just saying, well, we're just going to shut off your water supply? I would say they would probably do something like that. I'd say little. There's little to stop them. They do some really desperate things when you threaten their money. When you threaten their income, they get very upset. I'll give you an example. Today was downtown in Keene doing Robin Hooding. Now, this is kind of a, a longstanding tradition of activists here in the Keene area. We have just standard parking meters, like the old mm-hmm. school one parking coin meter fed. per coin fed, per one per uh, per parking space. And... They're, the basic concept of Robin Hooding is you find uh, – ideally, you would you find the fees. lady. huh? You pay people's fees. Right, yes. but ideally – I mean you could just walk around randomly and put money in people's meters and that technically counts. But the ideal version is to find the enforcer, to find the parking enforcer, locate Meter-made. her, and then uh, proceed to walk in front of her, eyeballing each meter before she can uh, get to the meter, and then putting a nickel, which is the minimum amount uh, that you need to put in, <laughs> yeah. putting a nickel into it to prevent her from issuing that person a ticket. Do you then put the envelope on the windshield? Because this used to be done. Is, uh, Correct. You've been, you've been Robin Hooded or something like that. And That's that right. You've been somehow salvaged and that, uh, you know... Right, that you've been rescued from the king's men by Robin Hood and her merry men, etc. We've got a, a little letter. See, that- I, don't, I don't put the letter out. I just go out and frustrate the the meter people you can do it that way too but it's it's nice to complete the package by leaving something for the uh the would-be victim somebody who would have been victimized by this the state agent in that case letting them know they've been rescued and giving them the opportunity to send in a contribution to the robin hood fund or in this case the fund is whoever's doing robin hood mm-hmm. and one of the guys who was doing robin hood in the past actually ended up making it turning it into a slightly profitable enterprise it's not enough to pay any bills but it was it was activism that actually wasn't it was losing in the money. black. Yeah, so yeah. that's it's nice when you can and make activism fun. profitable. It is fun. Oh yes, it is. It is fun. So and they tried does, to ruin the fun today. Uh, uh, yeah, how, how do they, how do they react to this? Well, if uh, if anybody's heard, uh, we fact we've got Allie on the show on Friday night. She does Ladies in Keen, which is a radio program on Sunday mornings at LRN.FM, also at ladiesinkeen.com. And a couple of the ladies in Keen, there's three of them typically on their show. Two of them, uh, Cecilia and Kate. Uh, had gone out to do some Robin Hooding today. I accompanied them, uh, used my video camera to document some of the process. So it was Cecilia and Kate who were doing the actual Robin Hooding. And they found what we managed to uh, – we kind of split up, went into different parking lots until one of us found the, the meter maid and then called everybody else over. Parking and, enforcement agent. Yes, thank you. Uh, the, enforce, the enforcers. And so they, you know, then proceeded to Robin Hood, and it wasn't long before uh, Blondie, and I forget what her name is. She's she's normally very, very nice to me now that we've. She was kind of gruff before, but then she testified against me during one of my parking ticket trials, and ever since she's been very nice. But she doesn't didn't seem too happy today because she was being Robin, Robin Hooded. Hooded, right? And now, why do you suppose that is? I mean, I know why. Because why it she is. can't justify her but, existence. No, 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 no. I've got a specific reason why. Well, wait a second. They have said though, in there's the, a quota. This lady in the in the past has said that she's just wanted to do the job because she liked get, go, getting getting out. Two and ladies. Walk. That's the brunette woman who said that to me, and actually they were both out on the streets today. Okay. A chance to interact with both of them. But what the brunette told me, and it wasn't recorded, but she told me this in front of Cecilia, so I've got a witness. The brunette says 
that she's upset about Robin Hooding because it's the same one who said it was fine before she likes to go for a walk. Now she says she's upset by it because apparently there's a quota, which she says isn't a quota because I asked her if it was a quota. She said it's not a quota. But the way it works is when she comes back from her walk, they audit her little machine. She's got a little punch-up machine, the mm-hmm. printer thing. Uh, they audit her machine and they determine if she goes more than 15 minutes without giving a ticket, they figure she's not doing her job. They figure mm-hmm. she's loafing. Or, you know, shopping or doing something else. This is one of the reasons that I take my, you know, took my ticket to trial this last time. Um, it was just a parking ticket, but, you know, that lady was off the street for hours. Didn't That's they refuse right. to allow you to take it to trial because it wasn't your car or something like no, that? No, no, they, uh, that, that was in the past, but this was, okay. um, that was, yes, this was my car. So uh, basically, there is a quota, and, and so she's upset because if we follow her around long enough, she's gonna ha- she's gonna go 15 minutes without giving out a ticket. And she's gonna get reamed out by her supervisor, effectively. So, but that's not the reason I brought the story up. They don't like their revenue being threatened, and so Blondie calls the Keen Police while uh, Cade and Cecilia were again doing Robin Hooding. She stops, picks up her cell phone, calls Keen Police, says they need to come out, and so Keen Police comes out. Oh, I'm so bummed I had to work today. And uh, let's see. So it was a keen police officer who was also on the drug task force, Jason Short, who you can see video footage of him at freekeen.com where he actually admits the irony of him using nicotine while also putting other uh, plant smokers in jail cells, which is interesting video. And I think Jason Short, I think he's one of the more open-minded cops, and I've changed my mind on him. He used to be I, – I used to think he was a jerk, but now I think he's, he's, he's all right. I think he's, coming, I think he's coming along quietly in the, in the right direction. Not a fan. Well, you can talk about that later. But <laughs> anyway, Jason comes out, and on video he says – and I don't have the exact quote, but to paraphrase him, he, he admits on video that, yeah, nobody can really say anything to you for following these women and recording them. Of course they can't. Nope. That's what he says. He's the officer in charge. He's the sergeant, officer on duty that, that day. But he's also there with another cop who uh, is kind of known as more of a loose cannon, uh, Bruce Uhas. And this guy has arrested multiple activists in the past. He seems to have a real thing for it. Apparently he's on their, their hit squad, the, the SWAT team thing. He's one of those guys. And so he's standing there as Jason Short is telling me this. I'm pretty sure he heard what Jason said. Then he follows Kate, who then – Kate's following the parking lady because the parking lady figures, well, we're tied up with the police. So she's going to go back to doing her, her job. So Kate follows her as I stay with Jason Short and continue the conversation with him, getting him on the record with his thoughts about whether or not he can do anything to us for, for doing Robin Hooding. And they've never done anything to anyone who's ever Robin Hooded nope. ever. Uh, and so Kate follows the parking lady. They go back to a walk toward a parking garage. And in that parking garage, the other cop, Bruce Uhas, pulls up. And at this point, Kate's all alone. It's the parking lady, Kate, and the cop. Right. So Cecilia and I are still back on Main Street dealing with the other cop at this time. And that's when Bruce Uhas proceeds to threaten Kate with disorderly conduct charges. Moments after... We were told that this is completely fine, that there's nothing wrong with following these people and recording them. The parking lady claims that she was being intimidated by Kate. Yes. That Kate was they saying... They said that when I went out last time, too. Yeah, yeah. That Kate was saying things to her that were intimidating to her. Now, anyone who's ever seen Kate uh, probably would know that she's not a very intimidating lady. She's... No, neither is the parking, parking 18, 19 years old, yeah. you know, nice young lady, and yeah. it's just absolutely ludicrous. 
And so he threatens her with disorderly conduct and sh- she, you know, bailed out at that point because she's actually already out on bail for, I think, a chalking thing or she's got a suspended sentence for chalking in Manchester. And she, if you, she's worried. She, if she, she doesn't get arrested, she might violate bail and then possibly have the suspended sentence brought back on her and have to go to jail. So she, she calls it a day at that point and walks back up to talk to us. And I basically told her I think that Juhas was trying to intimidate her into stopping following the parking attendant, that he didn't really have any disorderly conduct. But then again, that wouldn't have stopped him from arresting nope. her for disorderly conduct, even if they ended up ch- dropping the it charge. It might have he heard his uh, superior say something just moments before. I don't know if he heard it or not, but either way, we got them both on video. We got Bruce Juhas threatening her on video and the other cop basically saying, yeah, you guys are fine <laughs> on video. So the ladies in Keene will be posting that later. More coming up. Free Talk Live. Do you have a website or product that you make available to people nationally or even internationally? Free Talk Live is heard on more than 100 radio stations and two XM channels. FTL's also been voted five times the best political podcast of the year and four times been named to Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list, the 100 most important radio programs in the country. We can do ad packages for you from as little as $500 a month on up to $3,000. I'll work with you to customize a package that will work within your budget. Contact me, Mark, at mark at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free at 855-453-SACL-CAI the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the various features that you will find there. Once again, freetalklive.com. Still to come, uh, still to come tonight, Mark, you're going to share with us a TSA story involving what could be your grandmother. Yes, I am. So that's on the way here, 855-450-3733. In other news, the DEA is in the news over at uh, the Raw Story at rawstory.com. Daniel Chong, a 24-year-old student at UC San Diego, was taken into custody during a drug raid and abandoned in a holding cell for five days without food or water. Oh, my God, you're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. This, ha- this stuff actually happens from time to time uh, where some government agent will arrest some somebody, put him in a holding cell that's not a jail, you know, like a holding cell beneath a courthouse or holding cell, you know, beneath some other governmental uh, building and then just whoops. Yep, they leave, leave a you message. There all weekend. Leave a message on somebody's answering, uh, you know, voicemail and says, "Hey, you know, I got a I got an inmate uh, 1015, um, you know, sitting in your holding cell. Uh, take care of that. That person's on vacation." Yep. And uh, not my responsibility. <laughs> I left my message. Right, I'm out of here. <laughs> so, Daniel Chong, again, a 24 24-year-old student held for 5 days without food or water. He told NBC San Diego, "They never came back, ignored all my cries, and I still don't know what happened." And ignored his cries or couldn't hear them. Right, probably. He says, I'm not sure how they could forget me. On April 21st, drug and... Well, of course they could forget you. You're just a doper. Yeah, they don't care. <laughs> they don't care about you. You're not a human being. They just, just lock people in cages. Yeah. It's not like they actually care about them. On April 21st, drug enforcement agents raided an apartment where Chong and his friends were smoking marijuana. Nine people were arrested and the agents reportedly seized ecstasy pills, marijuana, prescription medication, psychedelic now, mushrooms. Just because he was in the the apartment doesn't mean that he was in possession of any of these things. It's true. According to a CBS... They also allegedly uh, took weapons from the apartment. According to CBS 8 News, seven of those arrested were taken to jail and one was released. Chong, however, was left handcuffed in a 5-by-10-foot holding cell. He said he screamed and kicked the door, but to no avail. Eventually, he began hallucinating and drank his own urine in hopes of staying hydrated. After days without any human contact, he tried to kill himself by breaking his glasses with his teeth 
and using the glass to cut himself. Surprisingly, Chong allegedly found a bag of methamphetamine in the holding cell, which he used to stay awake. Oh, no. And what's the point of that? I don't know. Why do we want to stay awake? Why you would need to stay awake. <laughs> After five days, a DEA worker hurt me. If you stay awake for five days, you will go insane. That much you can pretty much count on. Uh, That's D- probably where the biting the glasses and using them to cut yourself came from. Yeah, it may have. Uh, after five now, days. I can see why one would be like, I'm bored in a cell and all I've got is methamphetamine. Perhaps I'll do it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see. No one's coming back for me. Might as well use the meth. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I suppose. I, I, I don't know how I would react in the same circumstance, but I have certainly been on. Uh, of course, know, how busy- would you know? How would you know what it is? I wouldn't I mean, know at all. random powder in a bag. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have any clue. Seeing as I'm going to die in here. This is, right. That I'll would be the Smoke this Drano. Uh, <laughs> right. So he, by the way, after five days, a DEA worker heard noises coming from the holding cell and discovered him. Chong was taken to the hospital where he spent three days in the intensive care unit. The DEA apparently did end up apologizing later, but initially they did not apologize. And by the way, he has not been charged with any crime. So they arrested him, put him in a holding cell for five days. He is going to own them. Well, hopefully, if he can find a lawyer who wants to take on the DEA. He was sitting with one in the picture. Oh, was he? Well, yeah, that's he may not be looking at the same news item that I was looking yep, at Yep, that looks like a lawyer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that he's probably got an attorney. It's horrifying. This is scary stuff, man. Indeed. Five days. Now, I mean, for people who uh, haven't been in jail before... You know, when you're in jail, usually there's some humans around. You can talk to the guards to some extent. You can hear the other inmates doing Even if you're being held in solitary, there's still some level of you can see somebody out there. You know, they come and bring you food three times a day. Somebody's going to hand you a tray of food. It's going to be through a slot in the door. But, you know, there's still some kind of level of human interaction. This guy was completely cut off. A medical emergency. Just he'd be dead. Right. He did have a medical emergency. It was called dehydration. Well, okay, but uh, isn't there some sort of camera? Like, aren't you being monitored no. when you're in your cell? Well, no, holding cells are often different different sorts of situations. These aren't the cells that people are incarcerated in. This is only intended to hold this person for a couple of hours. Right, while he's processed and then taken to some sort of jail. Some of them don't have toilets in them. I mean, that's God. what we're talking about here. You're talking about a small concrete room with some kind of metal door on it, sometimes barred, yep. sometimes a solid metal door on it with a bean hole, and that's it. I a mean, in some hole? cases, that's all there is. What's a bean hole? A bean hole is a, a hole through which you slide beans. I, I see. Yeah. Or whatever food they decide to serve. The bologna sandwich. Man, they this is scary. Like cook the beans. And you're right. I mean, you're not supposed to go more than a few few days without water. This guy was in long enough to where he really could have died from dehydration. Absolutely right. I Yeah. I, I don't even know. I mean. And. <laughs> You know, then you get into the question of how was he drinking his own urine? That doesn't sound like an easy comp- uh, task to accomplish. <laughs> did they give him a cup? And handcuffs. <laughs> no, they too. did not give him a cup. There right. no cup did he have handcuffs? Cell. Yeah, he, it's Ian read it earlier in the article. They I, probably didn't leave him in the. Do you think they didn't? Oh yeah, say, they do that. Know. I don't know. I've never oh, been to jail. They absolutely do that. <laughs> I am sweet and innocent and shy. Well, I don't know. Oh yeah, it does say he was left handcuffed in the holding <laughs> cell. Oh my God! Right. So, thank God, they must have been in front of him. 
Okay, so otherwise, how do you drink your own pee? I so guess here, you'd have I to... got it. He rolls over onto his just his upper shoulders right. and the back of his head yeah. and oh, kind of aims, aims through, you know, pulls his pants yeah. down a little bit, aims. Oh, Man. my God. Oh, my God. This is what this they is did horrifying. to this kid. And you're paying for it, by the way. I'd like to remind you that uh, it's your tax dollars that make all this possible. And, of course, you can complain about it, and you can you can point out that the, the police are doing horrific things. You think and- he'll do drugs again? Oh, I, absolutely. Yeah, of course. I mean, come on. <laughs> Apparently. Is, to cope. His <laughs> life is ruined. He's got to do drugs. <laughs> he, he did, did some pee un- on unidentified powder in the, the holding cell. And, pe- and peed through some sort of gymnastic feat, apparently. <laughs> to hear you guys tell like. it. And managed to keep himself alive uh, that way. I'm not sure he did. I I don't. I, well, he's still alive. He's so. alive. Yeah. I, I mean, will that hydrate one? How long will that work? I don't know how many cycles you can go through. Well, the internet does. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> All right. So your thoughts are welcome here. Eight five five four fifty free. But what is it going to take to change this? I mean, obviously, it's the war on drugs that's leading to this insanity. Was it not for the war on drugs, this young man would have been able to enjoy his marijuana peacefully with his buddies in their college dorm room or wherever it was that they were smoking it. It's the war on drugs, this insane idea that somehow we're going to stop college kids from getting high or stop anybody from getting high. And it's just the most insane idea. However, there are some really insane people that are behind this. People like Gil Karolikowski, Karolikowski from, or excuse me, R. Gil Karolikowski, the director of the Office of National Drug Control Policy, the so-called drug czar. He denied on Tuesday that there was any reason for the United States to regulate marijuana in the same way it regulates alcohol. According to this jackball at an event hosted by the Center for American Progress, he said, There are no good reasons to legalize marijuana. I often hear about tax, regulating control as an answer. And then I look at prescription drugs, which, as I mentioned, take over 15,000 lives a year, let alone the number of people who come into emergency departments and the number of people that are treated, and prescription drugs are already taxed, are already regulated, and are already controlled, and we do a very poor job of keeping them out of the hands of abusers and young people. So I don't see that that we would do a very good job with a substance that can easily evade the tax scheme. Because it doesn't take rocket science to grow marijuana. It sure doesn't. Now, isn't it interesting how on a question specifically about legalizing marijuana, not the rest of the drugs, which, of course, I support decriminalizing everything, but just on a question about marijuana, he changes the subject and likens them, likens marijuana to prescription drugs. As though marijuana has caused a single death. That doesn't happen. That's a red herring, is it not? It's, it totally is misdirection. Straw, damn, straw man. Right. Yeah. The, straw man, thank uh, you. Uh, you know, but at this point, he also it turns it back to taxes. As if taxes are what makes something just. Mm. I mean, it's true that marijuana doesn't require much uh, cultivation at all. It's probably, it's got to be the easiest, one of the easiest things that you can consume to plant. Right. Well, and from his perspective, if it doesn't benefit the state, then it's, you know, it's no good. It's not about you. It's not about your freedom. That doesn't matter. Can the state profit from the legalization of marijuana? Can it benefit the state? He says no. And he can't see any reason why marijuana should be legalized. You know, there's no compassion in this man. He doesn't. He doesn't have. He's not. He's not in touch with compassion when it comes to drug users. They are just not human beings to these people. And I hope that that someday they can come to the conclusion that, hum, that they are humans. 
I don't know how we're going to be able to show them that, but I'd like to work on it. 855-450-FREE. SACL CAI toll free line. All right, podcast listeners. May the 13th is Mother's Day. It's coming up real quick. And you've got to get a gift for mom. You've got to get a gift for your wife. Consider proflowers.com. They've got this rainbow bouquet, and it's beautiful. It's got all the colors of the rainbow, roses and red, orange, yellow, pink, white. I'm looking at a picture of it here, and, and any one woman would find this lovely. And if you use coupon code FTL, you can get a dozen rainbow roses for your mom, plus a free glass vase for only $19.99. It's a great price, and they're guaranteed to last seven days. Go to proflowers.com, click on the microphone, type in the coupon code FTL. For my radio listeners, you can get a second dozen and an upgraded purple vase and chocolates for just $10 more. So you can, uh, you know, get a wife and a mother, you can handle them all in one fell swoop. Um, if, is there a new mom in your life? Make sure you remember them, too. Order now. Schedule delivery for mom on Mother's Day. And this is something you've got to handle. It's going to be very helpful for Free Talk Live. Proflowers.com is a huge name in the radio industry. And we'd love to make a great showing with them. This is the first time they've advertised with us. So, uh, podcasters, I'm counting on you. Go to proflowers.com. Click on the microphone and type in the coupon code FTL and get the rainbow bouquet for mom this Mother's Day. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the third hour of the program. You can dial in toll-free and take control of the airwaves at 855-450-FREE. That number is brought to you by SACL CAI, 1-855-450-3733. And here tonight with you, it's Ian. Nami And Mark. All right. So, of course, we'll take your calls about anything. In fact, for those of you just tuning in, coming up, we're going to talk about the TSA and something they could have done to your grandmother uh, coming up here in a moment. But first, just want to recap what we've been discussing for those who may, may just be tuning in. There's a young man who was arrested in, I guess it was looks like it was a college dorm room. Yeah, UC San Diego. He was hanging out with some of his friends. They were smoking cannabis, as is common on uh, many college campuses. I've heard it's happened before. And he was arrested. Apparently, it was the DEA that raided the apartment, which is, you know, that's a pretty unusual thing for, uh, you know, for the DEA to be involved in busting some college kids. Pretty small time for the Federal Drug Enforcement Agency. Right. I guess, you know, they allege here that they did find ecstasy pills and prescription medication, psychedelic mushrooms and uh, and marijuana in this particular college dorm room. So maybe they were in the dorm room of a, of a mid-level dealer or something like that. That's not made clear. But what uh, what did happen was they took one of these young men, he's 24 years old, and they put him in a 5 by 10 foot holding cell, and they didn't come back. Not for five days until a completely different DEA agent happened to notice some noise coming from the holding cell, wherein this young man had spent the entire uh, five-day period attempting to, at one point, kill himself because he believed that he had lost all contact with humans and that they were not going to be coming back. Uh, it can be pretty 
it, it can be pretty shocking to a human being to be completely cut off I'm from human to, contact. I'm trying to think of how I would react in this situation, and I've never been in jail before. I don't know if, if this kid has or, or not, but I would Remember, freak this isn't, out. This isn't even jail. In jail, you're getting three meals a day. In jail, there are people around. There are guards. There are, I mean, even if the guards ignore you in jail, you can usually still see them. <laughs> At least when you're banging on the window, they can see you banging on it. If there's a fire, you figure they'll do something. At least run out of the buildings like, Don't they have housekeeping? that comes through or any like i just i mean how often are they going to housekeep a jail a holding cell they go in there mop it down once a month or something like that i mean they're not really paying close attention to the outside of it i mean somebody's office is outside of this holding cell someplace so this guy drank his own urine in hopes of staying hydrated through this five-day period not a great idea from a medical standpoint but it might give you a day or two extra he was five days it's all he had he could have died really he he would have died probably if he hadn't have right it's all he had was his urine that's it he was not in there with a with any kind of drink vending machine. There was no water fountain. Usually one of these, I mean, you know, the holding cells, some holding cells have nothing. Some have a toilet and water fountain. The rudimentary ones have some kind of toilet or whatever. I mean, it it makes one wonder, what was he doing in order, for the rest of his excretions, you know? I mean, he must have been going in the He was probably right there on the floor. Had to have. So the question was raised, Mark, I think you asked the question, how many times can you drink your own urine before it becomes toxic? I did look it up, but yes. Twice. Wow. Slate.com says it might give you a day or two at best. Interesting. But, um, you know, and, and what it's level horrifying. of toxicity is, you know, yeah. the question. The, that the, kind of thing. the whole story is just horrifying. And I hope that he is able to get some sort of settlement uh, out of this. And at least they haven't charged him with any crime. That's the other thing. They, they locked him up in this holding cell and ended up not charging him with anything. And they released all his friends. Assumably, these people, uh, you know, uh, they didn't say it was his dorm room that he was in. It did not say that. And so one would assume then, therefore, it was not. Uh, so he wasn't responsible for all these other drugs they found. And they just released these other people, but they put him in jail. I mean, the story is bizarre. The DEA has apologized finally to the college student. Special agent in charge, William Sherman, said in a statement to the Associated Press that he extended his deepest apologies oh, I bet. to Daniel Chong, an engineering student at UC San Diego. The DEA is investigating the incident. Please Rest don't assured. sue us. Yeah. Yeah. Re- rest assured, we're looking into this matter and we'll make sure that we don't treat any of the other uh, college victims of ours in the same way. Again, it comes back to how would I react if I were in this kid's situation? Once I was let out, I would freak out on the person who put me in there in the first place. And if they're delaying on an apology, like at first you said earlier in the article that they didn't apologize right out of the gate, that's that's like insult to injury right there. You would think that he's probably going to get paid on this one, that the lawyer's, you know, going to going to drive this through. I want to know, is there anybody out there listening who is saying to themselves, yeah, that pothead got what he deserved. You smoke pot, you should die. The I DEA mean, are there people out there? isn't saying that. Right. I mean, I can't imagine who's saying that. They're just saying, oh, look, you know. We got a war on drugs. We got to prosecute the war on drugs. That's a war. You got to break a few eggs. That, that's basically what the the the, the thought is going to be. Well, we had the caller earlier who said that he was glad people were ticketed, so he he might if if that didn't happen, he might be killed on his way home tonight. I'm, I'm sorry, car accidents happen all the time, but does does this measure up to appropriate government in in that sort of view? You, you know what I mean? I don't think it does. 
I mean, this is, hot, this the is outrageous. But it's 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 just one outrage t- stacked on another outrage, and the other outrage is that people like this, you know, engineering student. He's no dummy. People like this guy are being put in jeopardy. This guy could lose all of his college funding as a result of this uh, this arrest. Yep. Not anymore. He can't. He's not. He hasn't been arrested. Well, he hasn't been charged. He was still arrested. Okay. He just wasn't charged with anything. How can you be arrested without being charged I with don't something? No. Okay. That's bizarre, isn't it? But that's what the article says here from uh, rawstory.com. But you're ruining people's lives, you government agents who are enforcing this insane war on drugs. You're you're not you're not accomplishing anything. How how long do you have to work as a drug enforcement agent or somebody who's with the drug task force with their local police department or detective? How long do you have to work on this insane war on drugs before you come to these conclusions? Can it really take that long for you to come to the conclusion that, huh, well, we keep arresting these guys, but there's still drugs on the street? Hmm. I mean, really? Is it that hard to figure it out that you're not doing anything? Anything but filling cells up with warm bodies. That's but, all you're doing. They can get the drugs in the cells. Well, it's the surety of a paycheck. Yeah. And, you know, usually I think that, the, you know, something comes over one when they work for a governmental agency. At some point or another, you've been the cog, you're a cog in the machine and you realize you're a cog in the machine. You don't matter. Somebody else can come along and take your position mm-hmm. and that. You know, is all you're doing is you're there filling the time up. Um, you know, I've told many times the story of my wife being uh, working for the the state. She worked there for like a year and a half or something like that. And essentially, she was going too quickly for the rest of the employees. And it, uh, you know, they 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 talked to her about it. And and then when she left, they took the, the her case files and handed them out to the slowpokes in order to make the the rest of the department look like it was keeping up. I mean, it was it, you know they're they're just. It, it to them it's just about doing what they've got to do in order to get the time in so that they can retire and they're after twenty or That's thirty right. years or whatever. It's the surety of a paycheck. Well, and you're retiring, and your paycheck is coming on the backs of other human beings who have never harmed another person in their lives. All this guy was doing was enjoying a weekend with his friends and hanging out, probably playing video games and smoking pot. Whoopie do. Is the world better off now because of what you've done, DEA agents? It does make one wonder, like, doesn't even, it? Even if he had food and water and was held for five days, would the world be better off by taking this college student out of his college experience, possibly making him lose his uh, chance at getting his uh, diploma for engineering, which, by the way, you probably need a diploma in engineering to be successful as, as an engineer. I would imagine it's that's true. It's one of those careers. So you're going to take him away from uh, from his dreams of becoming an engineer, and you're going to justify it all by saying, well, he broke the law. Right? Yep. Is that what you're going to tell yourself? Well, he broke the law, so therefore it's fine to ruin his life. It's my job to ruin people's lives. The guy the called law. in earlier said that we were paranoid, you know? Right. We're paranoid when over 1.5 million Americans, just like this young man, are being arrested and thrown into cells every single year for the same so-called crime of possessing a plant or a chemical. We're paranoid. 855-453, the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up what you want. Still to come, the TSA plus Loyalty Day. What's that all about? It's Doesn't Free sound Talk good. Live.
The Seasteading Institute. They want to create freedom on the open seas. Did you know they're having a conference? Meet fellow entrepreneurs, investors, engineers, maritime professionals, and other forward-thinking individuals and discover where you fit into the up-and-coming for-profit seasteading sector. It's May 31st to June 2nd at La Meridian Hotel in San Francisco. Special rates for students and the press. Get a discount with promo code FTL. Get registered at seasteading.freetalklive.com. Seasteading.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You may take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free at 855-450-FREE. The SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features on the site for free. We got a lot of them there, by the way, including archives, lots of them going all the way back to late 2006. Download at your leisure and take as many as you want, all for free, at freetalklive.com. Many companies, as they grow, lose their passion and their mandate. Not so with O'Neill Coffee, the third-generation family-owned business still roasts each batch excuse me, with the finest beans and the utmost care. They have more than 40 varieties of gourmet and flavored coffees. My favorite's the French Roast Decaf. It's bold but doesn't have that burnt flavor. Uh, to show the Free Talk Live audience their commitment to freedom and making great coffee, they're offering a free mug and free shipping on orders of 60, excuse me, $75 or more. Support great coffee craftsmanship at O'NeillCoffee.com. And this really is great coffee. I've uh, got a, you know, had a batch and got more um, on the way. It's O'NeillCoffee.com. Support people that support Free Talk Live. Just go over there. Uh, make your order. If you get $75 or more, you get a free mug and free shipping. And just write in FTL and the uh, special instructions, and that makes way well, you get your free mug. Get it now before the DEA decides to outlaw coffee and then uh, throw you in a cell for five days. Actually, I've heard really good things about the O'Neill Coffee because you had given a batch of it, I believe, to some of the activists here in town at the Keene Activity Center. Right. Um, you know, the, the owner over there, Joe Walsh, um, gave me a whole bunch of it. He wanted to make sure that I could share it. I can't do anything with regular regular coffee. Because you are really sensitive to caffeine. I have to have decaf. So I had the house decaf and the uh, the French roast decaf. The house mm-hmm. decaf is the kind of coffee that America was built upon. You know, it's a, it's a really great cup of coffee that you would get at, uh, you know, some kind of uh, diner or restaurant or something mm-hmm. like that. But, um, you know, the, the French roast I preferred. But, yeah, I, I gave a whole bunch of them over there at the, uh, the Keen Act. It seemed uh, to go over well. I, yeah. I heard good reviews. Yeah, it's, it's good this coffee. Is- I'm shocked this is you on decaf, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing me on regular coffee is not a good thing. All right. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. What was it, O'Neill Coffee? It's O'NeillCoffee.com. All right. That's what I thought. So we're going to go on here and talk about the TSA. Of course, if you want to share your experiences with them, you're welcome to dial in 855-450-FREE. You can also bring up whatever's on your mind. But this could have happened to your grandmother. Mark, what uh, what went down? So this is from theatlantic.com and you know the author's giving a story and this I don't imagine is too terribly unusual this is uh, Jeffrey Goldberg uh, giving his uh, story of what happened to his mother-in-law Okay now I've identified proof that al-Qaeda has actually I have now identified proof that al-Qaeda has actually won it hasn't achieved the dissolution of the United States or succeeded in murdering millions of Americans or reestablished the caliphate but it has caused our government to debase itself in the name of security to wit, my mother-in-law was traveling 
uh, home to Rhode Island from Washington Reagan Airport this past Tuesday night when, uh, by the way, this was written on the 27th. So it sounds few, like the itinerary days. of a terrorist to me. <laughs> uh, that's right. They're heading, heading off to, to Rhode Island. Uh, past Tuesday night, when passing through the TSA naked porno machine, she triggered an alarm. Hmm. A bit of background before I continue. My mother-in-law, though youthful in outlook and in all around a very attractive person, is also about 79 years old. Wow. 4'11", if she's lucky, mm-hmm. and weighs about 110 pounds. Mm-hmm. She was in Clearly Was- a danger. Yeah, she was in Washington to visit her grandchildren to lobby the Rhode Island Congressional Delegation as part of the American Library you Association's know, you never know when you National might... Library Legislative Day. That's a cover story. You never know <laughs> when you are dealing with a 4'11", uh, you know, near-octogenarian karate uh, master. Yeah. She could have killed these men just as quick as thinking about it. Mm. She was not threatening. Uh, she's not a threatening person in appearance or demeanor. I don't know this for sure, but I think she was probably carrying a library tote bag of some sort, or perhaps it was an NPR tote bag. Hmm. She, Filled with cocaine. <laughs> as she approached the security checkpoint, general rule: terrorists don't carry tote bags. She entered the machine and struck the humiliating pose one is forced to strike, hands up, as in uh, oh, armed God. robbery, and then. Walked As out. in, I surrender. Yep. And then walked out when she was asked by the TS agent in a voice loud enough for several people to hear, are you wearing a sanitary napkin? Oh, my God. Remember, she's 79. My mother-in-law answered, no. Why Is do that you... the same thing as a maxi pad? Yes. yes. Okay. No. Why do you ask? The TSA responded, well, are you wearing anything else down there? Yes. Down there. She said no. At which point the friend with whom she was traveling, also not a young uh, volunteer library advocate, came over and asked if there was a problem. The TSA agent said, again, in full voice, there's an anomaly in the crotch area. Oh, gosh. This is, of course, a painful post for me to write. Like most normal American men, I don't want to see the words my mother-in-law and crotch area in the same paragraph. But let me go on anyway. My mother-in-law said, as far as I know, I don't have any anomalies in the crotch area. The TSA agent told her she would have to go through the scanner again. Uh-huh. She demurred, saying she didn't like the machine very much. The agent told her he could perform, um, she could opt for a pat-down. My mother-in-law refused to be frisked, figuring mm-hmm. correctly that they were going to pat her down in her crotch area. I mean, it wasn't an anomaly in the chest area, after all. Mm-hmm. So she went through the scanner again. Of course, this time, one minute later, the TSA found no anomalies and she was free to go. The experience left her flummoxed, however. What did they think I was? A lady underpants bomber? I asked her if she felt embarrassed by in which the man, uh, the TSA had treated her. And I said, I'm not embarrassed, she said. I just think that it's stupid and that their machinery is defective and they should learn how to whisper when they're talking about my crotch or anybody's mm. crotch. Yeah, but that would require them to be concerned about customer service or discretion, dignity, dignity, you know, being worried about you not coming back in the future. I mean, the TSA has none of these, uh, none of these factors. They, they don't care if you come back or not. They're going to get their budget, uh, next year, regardless of how you feel about how they've treated you or your mother or your mother-in-law or whoever. Uh, so they're just going to go ahead and be as brash as they want to be. Yeah, I just want, I mean, just try to imagine, folks, if your mother is going through the TSA scan- checkpoint and the TSA agent says to him, Madam, are you wearing a sanitary napkin in full voice? <laughs> and then says, we have an anomaly in your crotch area. Uh-huh. I mean, this Jeez. I, I mean, this doesn't take the even a modicum of tact. Yeah. It's really 
really classless. I'm just going to finish the, the last short uh, sentence here. It says, the question is, how did it come to pass that the federal government takes official and invasive interest in the crotch areas of 79-year-old grandmothers? Terrorism. Have we all gone crazy? Yes. Well, not all of us, but enough of uh, enough people are, are crazy enough to at least accept this stuff. Of course, or they don't know what to do about it. Yeah, I don't know what to do about it, frankly. Secession. I mean, yeah, I can't secede. I have to fly places. No, so, not flying is my answer. And that's what a lot of Americans' uh, response is, is they choose yeah. not to fly. Flying Domestic flights are down 30%. Once one state secedes, others will follow, and then the TSA <laughs> will be done for. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Jimmy's in Indy listening to WXNT. Hey, Jimmy. Hello? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? i tell you what. Tell me you know what? that thing about the uh, DEA and about the guy getting locked up? That's right. Right? Had to drink his own urine five days with no food or water. That's ridiculous. Well, I'd love to have you share more right of your now. thoughts. Jimmy, stick with us. We'll bring you back let you expound upon the ridiculousness in moments. 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 per month. You'll get perks, and you'll help us free more minds worldwide. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. Talk Live, you are invited to take control of the airwaves. Dial in via the toll-free number that's brought to you by SACL CAI. It is 1-855-450-3733. 855-450-FREE. Here with you tonight, it's Ian. Nemi. And Mark. The Seasteading Institute, you know who they are. They want to create uh, freedom on the open seas. Well, did you know they're having a conference? You can meet fellow forward thinkers, entrepreneurs, uh, you know, folks that are into the maritime law, uh, you know, ocean law experts, as I said, they're uh, maritime professionals, uh, investors, engineers, and find out where you fit into the up-and-coming for-profit seasteading sector. You can experience some of uh, San Francisco's finest accommodations and amenities at the La Meridian Hotel, where the uh, conference is going on from May the 31st through June the 2nd. Special rates for students and the press. You can get a discount with promo code FTL at seasteading.freetalklive.com. It's worth to take a look. If you live out on the West Coast, this is this is the place to be from May the 31st to June the 2nd, seasteading.freetalklive.com. We're going to continue with your calls and thoughts. Then coming up, tell you about Loyalty Day. First, Jimmy's on the line in Indy listening to WXNT. Jimmy wanted to make sure you had time to get your thoughts out regarding the DEA locking a 24-year-old man up in a prison Hi. cell, a, a holding cell with no water, no food, and oh. had, to drink his, uh, had to drink his own urine to make it through the oh. five days. You want to hear what I got to say? Go ahead. Okay. Number one. This country's becoming a police state when they can do that to a human being and disregard his constitutional rights, you know? Mm. They don't they care, care much about him. Purpose, you know what I mean? Forget constitutional rights. It's human rights. Exactly. Because that's ridiculous. What gives them the right to do that? That'd be like them breaking into my apartment right now saying I'm a threat to the state and locking me up because of some beef I got with the state where I used to work at 
who denied me and cut my pension in half because of Mitch Daniels here in Indiana. Well, what, what right do they have to lock anyone up, whether they're holding them for five days without food or water or just locking them in a regular jail cell where they do have food? What gives them the right to take any human being's freedom away from them can't who, do that. who have not harmed other human beings? Right. That's a constitutional right in this country. It's called the Bill of Rights. You'd think, right? But unfortunately, you they don't really care. what you call bail. You have ju- – what's the word What's the word I'm looking for? What do they call that? You due have a process? Right to, a, to a jury, your peers. Right, to confront your since, accuser. Since Bush passed the Patriot Act, this is what's happened. They've trampled on the Bill of Rights and the constitutional rights, well, the, all in the name of the war on terrorism. Well, the war on terror was just the next step. Remember, before right. before the Patriot Act, they were still arresting drug users. I mean, this this twenty four year old this could have happened twenty years ago. I mean, I know it happened to me in nineteen seventy three. You arrested for drugs? Yeah. What for was your situation? Here in Indianapolis, I was twenty one years old. And what? Where? How'd they get you? I was with a guy that had drugs. I didn't know he had the drugs on it. He had marijuana. And so the cops came in and busted it. Were you at his house, or what, what was the situation? No, we were in the car. So the cops in rolled the up? In the complex. So y'all were just sitting we in the car, and the cops rolled up on you? with a guy, and I didn't know it. I was loaded at the time, all right? I was 21 out of the yeah. army. It's a bad deal. Divorce, all that. Anyway, what happened was they locked me up, and then when I went to court, they said I was going to be held for cold possession. Co-possession of drugs you didn't even you didn't even have. No, that's right. He Amazing. had the drugs. Yep. And I that's said crazy. to the judge, I said, "Well, I thought it was common nuisance, Judge." She said, "Well, if I was you, I'd get a lawyer." What did end up happening to you? Did you dollars for a misdemeanor? How much? I keep three hundred dollars for the lawyer for a misdemeanor. Now this was in the seventies, where three hundred dollars was worth a lot more than it is uh, today. Right. Thanks Can for you sharing. imagine how much that retainer would be today? Exactly. Jimmy, Two grand. thanks for sharing your story tonight. It's not uncommon, and un- unfortunately, that's tragic. Uh, for It's tragic for so many people, and I appreciate hearing from you. 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's not uncommon for people to be arrested and charged and intimidated by this tyrannical system. And I would go a little further than what Jimmy said. It's already a police state. Yeah, I would agree. It's been a police state. You know, and this is it, it can be difficult for for people that you know don't have to experience the the police on a daily basis to say to themselves this is a police state. But I guess you'd have to ask yourself, well, what would it take for it to be a police state? Sure. And Frankly, every time I've come up with something that it would require this country to be doing for it to be a police state, they're doing it. Checkpoints. Um, they're they're certainly not gassing anybody in gas chambers. You know, I'll I'll give you that. That's not a requirement of a police state. Well, I guess they're not they're not gassing most people in gas chambers. Now and then somebody gets a gets gassed, but um, you know that's not really what a police state's about. Uh, you know, police state checkpoints, papers, please. Uh, you know. Uniforms, state are, worship. I, I'm just the police try- are treated as betters. They are treated as the superior superior human beings, given fancy funerals and all manner of uh, pomp and circumstance. What around they them. say is generally uh, believed before what you say. That's true, even if they're lying. Well, <laughs> I mean, the, if if they're not trained to lie, and I've heard that they have been tra- that they are trained to lie on the stand. But you know, if they're not trained to lie on the stand, they certainly get more opportunities to learn how to do it. They know what's going on in a court proceeding, whereas you don't. Yeah, you don't well, deal with it. Right. They're, they're paid to be there as well. Indeed.
So, 855-450-FREE, you're welcome to talk about uh, the insane war on drugs, the police state, whatever might happen to be on your mind, the treatment of uh, human beings who've never harmed another person. I was having an interesting conversation over the Free Keen Facebook page with one local lady. It's, it's fascinating, actually. Uh, one local lady who decided to come on and ask the question, are you the group who hands out information to teenagers at uh, Central Square and other lo- and uh, somewhere else? Strangely, she didn't mention the schools, which is one of the primary locations where we'll go to uh, some of us will go to hand out information, which is a fairly uh, kind of controversial form of activism. But this lady apparently had her daughter run away, I guess, recently, mm, and, hear that. and blames Free Keen for this. Mm. The idea being that uh, who the, else could be to blame? Right. The idea being that the information that we've given out has encouraged teenagers to stand up for their rights and question authority, and so therefore. Uh, you know, some of them are, are acting as teens will act and, you know, being rude about the things. No one handed doing. me uh, information about, uh, you know, personal liberty when I was a teenager and I ran away. So yeah, right. I'm not sure that uh, I was 11. <laughs> right. I didn't need a brochure. <laughs> right. I mean, she's she's scapegoating us, which is yeah. one thing. But it's interesting. It's an interesting conversation. It's available there for anyone to see over at uh, the Free Keen Facebook page. I sincerely hope her daughter, by the way, is, returns soon. She and was back. Well. Yeah, she's back. Uh, yeah, this is good. a situation that is already resolved. Um, but she still blames Free Keen for it. And so <laughs> she else? comes. She it comes over. It couldn't possibly be her fault. You know, it couldn't be your daughter's fault. It couldn't be you know whatever. It has to be. Somebody she doesn't know. They're easy to blame. Right. Well, it's interesting because what ends up happening is another local lady who is a supporter of Free Keen and the activism that uh, that some of us engage in. She comes out of the woodwork, who's actually a friend of this lady. So they both know one another. And they're both kind of going back and forth uh, on the, the, the page, uh, one in favor of uh, Free Keen, the other against. So it's, it's interesting to see – you know the the difference, the wide difference in opinions that are that are held by people that are that are in this area. And well, what was the lady's critique about Free Keen? Because I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not. I don't go onto these boards. I prefer not to argue with people. Well, she she thinks that. Uh, well, we all have different. She thinks we have different definitions of what peaceful is, for instance. Okay, so this is one that uh, I, that I love. Then I think it was sixty. Oh, gosh. I don't want to say the wrong date. It was in the 60s. Martin Luther King Jr. was down in St. Augustine, Florida. And the sheriff down there, or chief of police, one of the two, is quoted as saying, well, this man says they're they're all about peace. This isn't peaceful. These people are making all kinds of noise in the street Mm. and disturbing the peace. We're not talking about placid. Yeah. You're talking about nonviolence. So I asked her specific questions about – of course I brought up the issue of – because she supported the idea of uh, people being put in jail for, for drugs. And I, of course, brought up the issue of, well, would you support the police doing their job? Because she's like, well, the police are just doing their job. That excuse. Mm-hmm. Well, would you support the police doing their job and bringing back runaway slaves? Would you support the police doing their job and arresting Rosa Parks? And, of course, oh, well, you know, that's different. And Different than what? Right. Eight five five. It was the same folks in the same uniform. Yeah. Not the same folks, but eight five five. The same job. Four fifty free. More coming up. Free talk live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done. Get a great deal. And a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. 
Talk Live. The toll-free number is here for you. You may utilize it at your leisure, 855-450-FREE, and bring up whatever is on your mind, 1-855-450-3733. Here tonight, it's Ian. Nemi. And Mark. Inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com. There are a number of features that await you on the site. And one of those features, including listening options, live streams are there around the clock. The latest episode of Free Talk Live, it's there for you. You can tune in via broadband, midband, and narrowband stream sizes. Plus, over 100 great radio stations on AM and FM across the country. Our satellite listening options include two channels up on XM Satellite Radio. And there's also our KU Band Free to Air channel, which is now available in Africa for a short period of time. <laughs> uh, and webcam, uh, you can also watch us that way. The, list, uh, the listen lines allow you to call any phone that can dial uh, from any phone that can dial long distance and listen that way as well. So plenty of different ways to get Free Talk Live into your ears over at listen.freetalklive.com. As we continue with Fred listening in Michigan. Fred, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Nemi and Mark. Fred. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind, Fred? Do uh, do the cities, towns, you're in Keene, right? Keene, New Hampshire. Yes, Keene, sir. New Hampshire. Okay. Uh, are they not municipal corporations? They are, which, of course, is a fantasy idea. They, corporations aren't real. They're just ideas. They're just files in a folder somewhere that essentially... Well, governments believe yeah. the people in governments believe in and uh, they use them as a, as ways to protect themselves and their corporate buddies from liability so uh, when i looked into this uh i heard a broadcast it was it used to be called freedom 21 santa cruz uh, and they morphed into i think it's called a freedom advocate that's a network of uh, patriotic if you will attorneys who uh are opposing the uh, the uh, UN ICLEI Agenda 21 Sustainable Development Smart Growth and all that garbage. Uh, FreedomAdvocates.org. Well, anyway, guy uh, Gary Robinson out of Pennsylvania called and said, "Look, uh, at every level, it's uh, it's a private corporation, the bar to which all the Esquire attorneys belong." And to say that their license is an oxymoron because all they have is a uh, professional membership number in, in this international corporation. So uh, it's stunning to me that uh, there is no provision in the federal charter or the state charter for uh, qualifications as judge being a BAR Esquire attorney. And yet they are the entities that promulgate or create all these municipal corporate statutory rules and regs that they then uh, promote to everyone as being, quote, the law. Mm -hmm. And yet, like all corporations, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the rules and regs of any corporation apply if and only if I have a valid contract. With so them. I get all of where oh, you're my- coming from, and let me see if I can kind of shorten this and, and recap it for our, for our listeners here, because I've, I've, I've researched into this myself. Uh, the idea being that all of the governments that you think of as governments are actually you know, private corporations. You can find them on the, uh, the various stock listings uh, that are out there, which is uh, true, by the way. I've looked this up, and you can, you can find it. I've actually – I get uh, updates from uh, as, as a DMV. 
B, Dun & Bradstreet. I get updates on Dun & Bradstreet on the City of Keene's uh, ratings that they, they have on it. And so in in theory, these things are traded, uh, you know, et cetera. There's all this – there's a lot of conspiracy theory about this. And it's all very, very interesting and some of it seems to be based on truth. However, the ultimate question is what good is it? What good is it going well, to do you to walk into their courtroom and tell their man in the robe that, you know uh, – I didn't agree to your corporate structure, and I'm not a corporate officer, and so therefore I'm not subject to your corporate statutes. How do you think that's going to go? Well, uh, Article 1, Section 10 of the Federal Charter says uh, the state will pass no law impairing obligation of contract. And then uh, 14th Amendment, Section 4, it uh, identifies validity of the public debt shall not be questioned. Well, okay, so... They're identifying public debt as a contract, and they're 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 declaring that its validity shall not be questioned. So that that obviously identifies there are invalid contracts, and the validity of a contract is wholly uh, predicated upon the principal tenets of a valid contract. Uh, okay, I'm going to play the role of the judge here, Fred. Uh, you you would be stopped already, by the way. The yeah. judge would say, "Look, irrelevant. I'm not Objection here to. Irrelevant. I'm not here to listen to a political argument. I'm here to judge the facts in this case. If you now, don't like you, it, go to your representative. Right now, uh, did you or did you not park the car in that spot? Right. And and this, by the way, we're not trying to badger you. This is the kind of thing that's happened when we've done those right. things. I've tried this stuff, man. I've I tried mean, to, you know, I've tried I, to the all capital letter thing. I've tried the corporate thing, not consenting, uh, writing them a letter, uh, opting out. I mean, I've done all kinds of. I've you know, tried to like talk this. to them about the, uh, right, you know, to, to point out the injustice in this and the inefficiency of the system while in the courtroom. They would not let me speak regarding it. The judge said something to the effect of, uh, you know, or he agreed with. I said uh, that there would be there's no justice in this courtroom, just the law. Is that what you're saying? And he did not disagree with me. Mm. Um, and then the uh, the prosecutor suggested that I had to prove that I didn't do what they said that uh, I did. So I, I, you know, it's it's these are all interesting circular arguments, but I don't know that they get us anywhere. Well, um, the Uniform Commercial Code, uh, <laughs> the, for instance, the, dri- the driving license appears to be an unrevealed. Uh, Adhesion contract. Yes, the adhesion contract. The uh, again, another conspiracy theory suggesting that uh, the the adhesion contract idea is that it's only one side, or, or that they're forcing you into it, and that uh, you you know you're forced to uh, you're forced to sign the adhesion contract. But if you write on the actually on the car that it's not a car, it's a vessel, and um, <laughs> you, you know you you put all these sort of these uh, the, these runes and uh, magic uh, magic words that then the police will leave you alone but no i mean you're right it's not a real contract when you sign it's not a contract right no. when, when you because no... here's the reason and I'll, I'll tell you why the government is an agency of force and right. they have people with guns that will shoot you dead if you do not do what they say they don't have a contract no. with you you they own you dude you're, you're under duress when you sign that card you sign the driver's license or whatever you're under duress because you know you have to get one of these things in order for the men with guns to not chase you down and run you off the road when you're trying to go to the grocery store or or go to work. Yeah. So, you know, the whole thing is bunk from the get-go, but none of it matters. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, 
It's preposterous. It's preposterous. It is. It it really is. And and here's what I'd like to suggest. And again, as somebody who's gone through a lot of this stuff and learned the hard way that this is bunk, uh, what I would suggest is if you love liberty and you love the ideas of freedom – Go to freestateproject.org, learn more about the the concept of moving people who love liberty together into the same place so we can actually do something about this madness. Because if we don't stand up yeah, together, right. we're going to be uh, cut off separately, and it's never nothing's ever going to change. And it may or may not be bunk, but I can assure you they, the ones that are in charge, don't care what, um, you know, what kind of arguments we make from a standpoint of uh, law and, and logic and, and rationality. Right, because we've got them beat hands down on logic and, and rationality and even morality. I mean, we've got the, uh, the winning arguments. It's just that you know, it doesn't matter what arguments you make in their courtroom. They're in charge. They're yeah, going to do what they right. want. It's all about revenue generation, isn't it? That's what it's about. It sure is, Fred. Again, freestateproject.org. Drop on in there, and you're going to find that there are people that are trying different things. You know, some people are going through the system. They're trying to get elected and kind of change things from the inside. Other people are engaging in, uh, you know, civil disobedience, non-cooperation. We're, we're doing freedom to travel uh, and all manner of uh, sorts of things. So there's still some radical ideas that uh, that we can do here that have yet to be tried simply because we don't have enough people. Like, how cool would it be to have a few hundred people around in one relatively small area, like, say, the state of New Hampshire, driving around with totally private uh, license plates on their car, not not actually having registered the cars uh, with the state? I mean, these are risky things. You're risking your car. You're risking your freedom. But, uh, you know, nothing worth doing is easy. And we're going to, I think, have to take some risks in order to attain freedom, because I don't think we're going to be successful at begging for it. And, Fred, I want to thank you for the call tonight. 855-450-FREE is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Now, I don't want to make it sound like everybody has to go and risk their car and, and risk their freedom. You don't. There are a bunch of different levels of involvement that people can get in. I mean, it's still well, activism I, to write letters to the editor. You know? I, I agree with that, too. But at first, if, you know, as, as far as driving the cars without registration, to me, this is not a particularly important issue, and it's one that can be very confusing to people out there. But I'd ask you this. Even if it's a good idea, and I think it is a good idea to have a way to identify individual vehicles on the road, why do you have to pay every year to put a new different colored sticker on your car? Because those bureaucrats have jobs and they want to keep them. And why is it that in some states it costs $30 to renew your registration and other states it costs, I mean, I've heard... $380. I've heard 3000 depending on the different type of car yep. that you have. That's very true. So, oh. I mean, really, you need... What? How? What? <laughs> Something mean, needs to change, and the only thing that's going to make that happen is people who want change getting together in the same place to encourage it. And that's freestateproject.org. We'll see you tomorrow night online. In the meantime, freetalklive.com. Available now, four new songs from Raja Mojo. Raja Mojo. That's R-A-J-A-M-O-J-O. Raja Mojo. Call it democracy. Raja Mojo. Everybody knows the game is rich. The poor stay poor, the rich stay rich. Four new songs from Raja Mojo. Buy them today at Amazon, iTunes, Napster, and at a discount at CDBaby.com.
The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. All right. It's another edition of the Edgington Post show here on Free Talk Live. And it's an unusual situation for me. Now, those of you who are listening, don't. It, nothing seems any different to you. But I have a guest in the studio. And we don't usually do guests in the studio. But um, a gentleman named David, excuse me, Dale Resinella uh, was coming through town and uh, doing a tour for the, uh, the, the anti-death penalty folks that I know here in New Hampshire. And I just had to have him in the studio. Dale? Good evening, Mark. Thanks for coming. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it was great of you to come and uh, visit our humble little abode here. Um, now, you were at Chaplin um, at the Florida Correctional Facility, but that's not where you really cha- trained for. Is that right? My first career was as a lawyer handling project finance. I did mm-hmm. stadiums and seaports and airports, things of that nature. That was my career. That's what I went to school for. But... For 20 years, I have served as a Catholic chaplain in the Florida Department of Corrections, and the last 15 of those, I have been the representative of the church at Cellfront for the 400 death row cells and the 2,000 long-term solitary cells at Florida's two highest security prisons. So now what what prison is this? Is this the this is called Rayford or Stark or I, I never I never know. No one can get it straight okay. and sometimes I think that's by is design. It in Union? Where is it? <laughs> what happens is Florida State Prison mm-hmm. is where the overflow death row is. They have about 70 death row inmates. They have 1,400 long-term solitary cells, and they have the death house. That is on the Bradford County side of the river, and so the closest town is Stark, and people refer to Florida State Prison as Stark. That's where the executions take place. Okay. The river is New River, which is barely a creek except in the spring when it rains. (laughs) And right on the other side of that little river is Union County, and that's where Union Correctional Institution is. That's where the actual death row building is that was supposed to take care of all Florida's needs for death row cells forever and ever. Amen. It's got 330 death row cells, and it's packed full, which is why they're putting the overflow at Florida State Prison. The closest town in Union County is Rayford which is a flashing light with a stop-and-go. Right. And so Union Correctional is called Rayford. And Union Correctional has another 890 long-term solitary cells, including psychiatric solitary confinement. Now, so you're saying that there's about 400 men on Florida's death row? There are 400 men on Florida's death row at this time and 2,000 in long-term solitary confinement. I was going to ask about this, because this long-term solitary confinement really probably isn't much different than death row, except you don't have the looming sort of Damocles hanging over one's head. Well, the conditions are identical. The cells are six foot by nine foot. You have a stainless steel toilet sink in the corner of your cell. You have a stainless steel shelf with a little mattress pad. What's different is that on death row... The cell has bars with a wire mesh, so Mm -hmm. I can see the guy and talk to him right through the mesh. If I'm giving communion, 
Right. I can do it through the mesh. In the long-term solitary confinement, the doors are solid steel with a small little plexiglass window. You can't even see the whole face. Hmm. So solitary confinement is actually much more restrictive than the death row cells. Now, um, there's a recent article, and I, I can't remember where the guy is. I, you know, I wasn't planning on asking these questions, but um, a, you know, a man who's mentally ill on in one of these administrative confinement situations, and I can only imagine what it's like for one's mental health. I mean, there was all kinds of stories about Jose Padilla um, in the past, where he was, you know, uh, mittened and blindfolded and moved around in, in a fashion, and, and it broke his mind. What? What did you see and experience in, um, for people who are in this long-term confinement? What was their mental health situation? How did it affect them, I guess? Well, part of the answer to that question is how they got there. Sure. And what's happened is, not just in Florida, but in the whole country, we have drastically reduced the number of civil mental health beds. There used to be many right. more civil mental health beds per thousand people. Where if you were having a problem, you were sent to a civil facility till it was corrected, you were stabilized, the necessary prescriptions were identified, and then you could be returned to the community. We have gotten rid of 90% or more of those beds so that now people with mental illness stay on the streets until they commit a crime. Right. And then they go to jail, and when they get in trouble in jail, it's a felony, and they go to state prison. And when they can't conform their conduct in a regular state prison called a general population prison, they get sent to this situation in Rayford and Stark. So the prevalence of severe mental illness in the entire state prison system in Florida, according to the department's own statistics, it's been published in the papers, 12% of the adults in state prison in Florida have been medically diagnosed with severe mental illness. That's where we start. You're talking about 12% of 110,000 people. The ones with the most difficulty are ending up at these two prisons in these solitary confinement cells, Now, they're allowed to move through this behavior mod program with medication to try and get their conduct in order so that they can actually work themselves back to a general population prison. And many Working one's way up to prison. Up to prison, (laughs) and many do. But what happens is there's those who can't make that. Mm -hmm. And so they almost get trapped in the cycle, and they're there for years and years years. I've been coming there 15 years, and there's men that have been there longer than me inside those cells. I can only, I mean, I, I, no, I can't imagine. There's, uh, I cannot even uh, begin to imagine. Having spent uh, more than uh, six years in my life in prison, I can't even begin to imagine what it's like to be in one of these administrative uh, confinement cells in a six by nine cell getting four hours a week of exercise um, outside of the cell and then you know that's it, right? Pretty much. I mean, I can hardly even imagine. Yeah. And uh, you know, th- these are people that I guess the 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 meds just don't work on, or their difficulties are such that they are not able to control their behavior mm-hmm. 
to make life work in a prison setting, even in that highly structured setting. Now, 30 years ago, these are probably people who would have been going in and out of a civil commitment facility. And when they got better, they would be sent home. And when they had problems again, they would come back. And that wasn't unusual. Mm -hmm. But we're in an era where the politics are not driven by the concern of taking care of people. The politics are driven by other interests. And so in the civil system, what's left of it, it's a revolving door of bring them in, give them meds, and send them home. And there's not really a focus on treatment. And what's happened is these kind of prisons, not just in Florida but all over the country, have become the mental health system by default and they're not designed for that. They're designed for punishment. And um, it's true. I mean, for these, this is not the role of prisons. Um, it's not what they were designed for. And I guess that brings me to another question is, you know, I mean, one imagines when, when you know, one sees a lot of movies and that kind of thing. How many of the people that are in administrative confinement are the bad mamma jammas that you might expect to see in uh, shanking people in prison? I, I was in prison. I didn't see a lot of shanking, I, I must say. But how many of them are those folks? And how many are the mentally ill? I mean, is there, do you have any idea? What's the, I mean, is there a, is there a way to quantify this or is everybody on, um, in these administrative, you know, dealing with some kind of mental illness? It's not a hundred percent, but I would say it's a majority. It's mm-hmm. certainly 50% or more mm-hmm. based on my experience. I'm not a medical sure. diagnostician. I experience these men at self front. But one of the things that's real important to to realize is if you went back to the 1970s when prisons like The Rock at UCI was one of the five most violent prison buildings in the country. Right. I thought that that was – it was still The Rock. I'm, the, the, the risk of uh, being killed in prison was five times higher or 30 times higher, depending on which building you were in, than being out on the street. The understanding of how to handle inmate movement – how to supervise, how to identify emotional and mental illness and segregate that so it can be dealt with separately, that has gotten extremely refined to the point where now the national statistics show that the risk of being killed in prison is less than the risk of being killed out in the free world. That's an amazing development. And even in these situations, and this is with men that are the kind you were describing, we had a fellow who was so dangerous that the door could not be opened without six to eight officers wow. in riot gear. Yeah. And these guys are football player-sized men. This is a big guy. Yeah. But he wanted to become a member of the church hmm. and wanted to be baptized and confirmed and communioned. Interesting. And so for two years at Cellfront, through the little glass, we taught him the faith He was earnest. He had tremendous difficulties, both emotionally, mentally, and others. I mean, this man had a lot of problems, but he wanted to become a member of the church. And so it took about two years. We got got it done, and we scheduled for the bishop and the priest to come, and we were surrounded by what's called a goon squad. Mm -hmm. The man could not deal with us with the door open until they put a headbutt shield because he could kill people with his head. Mm. He had to have a spit shield and a bite shield in order not to use his mouth as a weapon. Hmm. He had to have black box handcuffs, which is the handcuffs that are further restrained so that you can't move your hands within them. 
and he had to have the shackles and the whole bit. And we still had to have six officers with shatterproof shields, gas, electric prods, and what we call the hockey outfits. And with this circle of protection and an offer standing on each side of him to pull back the bite shield and the headbutt shield so that he could receive communion and be anointed with this oil, this man started crying like a baby and said over and over and over, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, this is the first right thing I've done in my life. Mm. So even with all this, we never give up on anybody. Wow. Everybody is susceptible of redemption and salvation. It's, you know, it's got to be a moving experience. Um, we've got about um, 10 more minutes left to talk about the uh, the, the death row um, situation there in Florida. What was, um, you know, I've been reading through the, your, your website here talking about what it was like to go on death row. Um, I, I guess it's not one long hallway. It's several different locations. Yes, each corridor is 15 or 16 cells long on only one side. Because part of the design of death row is that the men in the cells shouldn't see anybody except the officers that are walking in front of their cells Mm -hmm. or medical staff who are also department employees and the religious volunteers that come that stand right at cell front. So they can't see each other. They see us when we step in front of their cell. That's by design. So each quarter is relatively short considering that you have 400 men. There's a lot of hallways to cover. There's no air conditioning. I wondered about that. There is no air conditioning and no airflow. And so you know in that part of Florida in July and August – You could poach an egg on the concrete in front of those cells. It is absolutely unbelievable. And it went to court. It went to federal court. And basically, I'm paraphrasing the judge, but what the judge said is, when the government's holding people in a cage until it kills them, what's the standard of care? Yeah. And see, this is the thing that really Mm. has to be bothering us, Mark. I mean... I struggle with, okay, I'm going to let bureaucrats tell me what kind of license I can have, what I can build on my property, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And I'm not really comfortable that they're always acting in my best interest. How do we make the step of letting bureaucrats kill citizens? It's a really great question, and that's where um, we really should take this at this point, is um, for for you, what was, you know, like I've got my reasons why I, I, I think that the government – I know the government makes mistakes. I know people make mistakes, and the government's made of people. And I know that if I if you go to the Innocence Project, I think at .org or something like that, you'll find that 200 and something men have been released from uh, prison. Released. I'm not talking about moved into a life sentence or something. Released. released, which means that somewhere, somewhere in the United States, they've killed innocent people. Um, I'd suggest that it dozens, it may be hundreds of people since the uh, early 70s when they reinstituted the death penalty. So for me, it's a it's a sort of this efficiency argument and that kind of thing. Now you're a man of faith. Chances are good that your your argument it doesn't isn't founded in an efficiency in the way mine is. So tell me what was it for you that changed your mind? I was initially a death penalty proponent as a murderer in prison. I believed, well, as a convicted murderer, I should say, in prison, I believed in the death penalty because I believed that people that took a life um, should give their own. I didn't take a life, so you know, I had this sort of moral high ground that I uh, put myself mm-hmm. upon. But 
Um, then I read the the firm by uh, John Grisham, yeah. and it had some arguments in it. Made perfectly good sense to me and changed my mind. I used to be a death penalty proponent also, but my mind was changed before I ever came to death row. Okay. My mind was changed while I was still a lawyer. And the two things that changed my mind is, number one, I got asked to write a draft of an amicus brief mm-hmm. for the bishops of Florida in a death penalty case. Okay. I was in Wall Street finance. I hadn't dealt with criminal law since I got out of law school right. in 1977. Makes me wonder why you were asked. <laughs> and so, well, they needed somebody to do it for free. <laughs> okay. That does happen. <laughs> and, You're a good uh, Catholic, so they asked you. <laughs> I was astounded. I was horrified. In three months of research, I found out that the death penalty structure in our system is an absolute shambles. It's a rat trap. It's an abomination legally. It's like getting hit by lightning. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work. It has no capacity even to figure out who's guilty, let alone who's the worst of the worst. I was horrified. But the other part of my change was for my church, which said, hey, if you have to kill somebody because it's the only way to keep society safe, you might have to do it. But there is no way morally we can justify killing people who are already in our custody, Mm -hmm. who we can keep from killing again, because we know how to do that, even in prison. We know how to do that. We cannot justify killing them. We have to use nonlethal means. Now, what one of the best-kept secrets of the death penalty states, and I was shocked to find this out, is that executing somebody costs four, five, six, ten times more. Yeah. than keeping them in prison at the highest level of security for the rest of their life. How many times in our lifetime do we get to do the right thing and save a ton of money? Right. This is really an issue of education for people. And I've had this uh, conversation on the air. I can't ha- tell you how many times. And you can say that, look, you can take two states that are right next door to each other. One has the death penalty. One doesn't. And there's no difference in their murder rates. Or if there is a difference in murder rates, well, there, there's always a difference in murder rates, I should say. But they don't seem to correlate in any way, shape, or form to the death penalty. Um, Consistently, and- the FBI statistics show two states right next to each other, one with the death penalty, one without. The per capita murder rate and the per capita homicide rate against law enforcement officers will be higher in the state that uses the death penalty. It's interesting. I mean, it's very interesting. And you know, I mean, people people look at those in all different ways, but inevitably the conversation comes down to, well, what would you do if your mama was killed? And you know, this is you know, this is where it goes. And it this is a valid concern that people have. And you know, for me, what I of, often say is, look, if that happened to me, I'd be heartbroken. And if I felt revenge, I don't think the revenge is a very fruitful feeling. And I would try to, you know, that. I don't recommend it for people. But if I felt revenge, chances are good that if they killed this guy, then chopped him up in little pieces and burned him and took the ashes and spread him in the four corners of the earth, I wouldn't feel any better. Um, You know, many people say they get a sense of closure um, when they're finally uh, put to death. But one has to ask, well, wouldn't they have a sense of closure when the person was convicted and then put in prison for life or, or whatever? What? often people want some level of further punishment for the most heinous of murderers. Do you recommend some kind of like punishment that might be say a death row without the death penalty or how, how, how would you imagine this world without the death penalty looking? 
I would imagine that anyone who intentionally, intentionally and with cold thought Mm -hmm. takes the life of another human being has given up their right to walk free outside the fence for the rest of their life. Agreed. Because that indicates a sense of values and a decision process that does not make it safe to allow them to be out free in society. But I still believe we should be going inside that fence, people like me, Mm -hmm. to try and find the way to bring this person to as valuable and productive a life as possible, even in the level of restraints that we have to impose. It may be, as in the case of that man I described, the level of restraint necessary to keep him from doing additional harm is a six-foot-by-nine-foot cell with six officers every time he steps out of that cell. But we still go to the door of that cell and treat him as a human being because of who we are. And see, this is what government structures don't do well. Government structures tend toward institutionalization Mm -hmm. and bureaucracy and burning money without accountability, which is exactly what the death penalty structure does. And it's got to be us who call this to account and say, wait, keep us safe, put them in prison, and then let's talk about how that prison life should be structured in a way that offers some hope of redemption without risk to society. That's that's what I envision. And you mentioned innocence. Florida has had 23 people walk off death row innocent. 140 people have walked off America's death rows innocent. 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 Yeah. And the two most pro-death penalty justices on the U.S. Supreme Court, Justice Antonin Scalia mm-hmm. and Clarice Thomas, have both put in writing in opinions that because no system is perfect, the only way to not execute innocent people is to get rid of the death penalty. But that's not something to be done by the court. That's got to be done by us in the states. And that's what I'm here in New Hampshire doing, is asking New Hampshire to put themselves in the column that says, we don't have the death penalty on our books anymore because it makes no sense. We don't need a big government project, another one, that has no accountability to the public and just incinerates money like there's no tomorrow. And doesn't execute anybody. In New Hampshire, I don't think anybody's been executed in three decades. Um, and, the, and, and they don't the even in, have a, uh, an execution chamber oh, yet. Oh, they don't? Okay. Well, I was thinking well no, they, they don't might, even have one yet. I was thinking Wait might... till you see what that's going to cost. Oh, yeah. yeah. It can't be cheap. And so I'm here asking the good people of New Hampshire to say, hey, put us in the column of we don't have this on our books anymore. Now, um, this show goes out internationally. What can people do in order to stop this this inefficiency and this, uh, this, this immorality that comes around governments executing its citizens? They can get the truth out. My experience is that when good people and good Christian people find out that the Bible does not require the death penalty, and it doesn't, and that it costs more to execute people than it does to keep them in prison at the highest level of security, and the extra money goes to lawyers mostly on the state side. People are outraged. And so I find the best thing is get the truth out. 
get the citizens the truth about what's really going on, and the decision will be made to get rid of this and put it in our past. Now, um, you just said that the Bible doesn't uh, require the uh, execution here, and I'm going to be able to. I'm going to go over one minute and over our normal time here. Please um, explain that to me. A lot of people are under the misconception that because of some of the verses in Scripture, that in order to be on God's side and support God's word, we have to have the death penalty. Yeah, yes. I published a scholarly book that I spent five years researching called The Biblical Truth About America's Death Penalty. It's published by Dartmouth right here through University Press of New England that shows that's not true. That is a misunderstanding of Scripture. And the name of that book is? The Biblical Truth About America's Death Penalty. And now you have a second book out that I wanted to make sure that you got a chance to talk about. The second book is Now I Walk on Death Row. A Wall Street finance lawyer stumbles into the arms of a loving God. And I got to tell you, my only requirement with a publisher is it had to say stumble. Because <laughs> the way I got to death row had nothing to do with a five-point plan. God brought us there, my wife and I there, to minister there. And that's the story of our journey into death row ministry. We also minister to the families of murder victims. Mm. And it is the sharing of what we've learned about how this affects human beings, how it affects the guards, the staff, the families involved, and everything we've learned by being close to it. So we're taking our experiences and making them available to people through this book. It's Dale Rissanella. Thank you very much for uh, coming in and sitting in with me. Thank you so much, Mark.